Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. That fancy girl you see on the posters? She did go over the balcony. And the real podcast got pulled back up. I realize I should have done a British accent. I fucked that up. I didn't do a British accent. <laughs> you could you could try again if you want. You don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I should. I don't know if it'd uh, get any better. You don't think you don't think you could you could uh you could summon Brixton on this podcast today? The spirit okay, of Brixton. Let me try it. Ready? Let me try it. Let me try it. Sure. Oh, you reckon that fancy girl you see on the posters? Oh, oh should they go over the balcony? In oh, it? No. And the real oh, nanny Jane? Oh, boy. Go pull back up. I, I, oh. Can you do a British accent, an English accent? No such thing as a British accent. Um, okay, wait. I'm just that wondering. Accent, that accent you saw go over the balcony. That one. Oh. That was the fake one. And the real one Fuck. got pulled up just right now. It's a little uh, I don't really know exactly where it is. I don't know where I'm from, but Fuck. You know, you, you sound like a South Londoner. You sound all right. You sound I think try to channel a few cousins I've met twice in my life. You feel me? You got some British cousins? I've got some British cousins. South London. Like cousins South who London? grew up in the United yeah. Kingdom? That's wild. They grew up in the UK. And I've also got cousins who grew up in Ireland. And you're going to call Ooh. me a liar, but it's true. Yeah, I've got German cousins as well. I'm, I'm doing no such thing. I believe you. I take you at your word. Okay, well, how about this? I've got cousins who were what? born and raised in Italy. Now they live in the US. That's cool as well. Okay, I you mean, shut you the know, fuck born up. and raised. You shut I the mean, fuck up. I, I, I don't uh, believe that for me? a second. I want you to. No, I, okay. I don't believe that for a second. You okay, push shit. this bit too hard. Wow. Okay. I question your integrity. Yeah, no, I believe that's fine. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Do you know where in South London they're from, your cousins? Um, someplace near Brixton. I remember they sure. said, and I was like, and I was like, oh, is that? And she's like, it's like 15 minutes outside Brixton. And I went, okay. Sure. Cool. We met at uh, a Nando's. We met at a Nando's. Uh, True story. Whoa. Uh, Cheeky. My favorite. Sorry. Cheeky. My favorite, <sighs> my favorite chain restaurant. So good. Yes, it's the best chain restaurant uh, that exists. I think. Uh, yes, across yes. the globe. Yep, yep. David I has been so angling much. to do Nando's on Doughboys for a long time. I mean, by angling, you mean like quietly and not telling anyone, <laughs> like just quietly yes. thinking that I would love to do that. Well, now yeah. this is the angle. The angle begins now. Right, because right, my campaign was to get on Doughboys to do Costco. It took four years. I finally did it. So now we have to launch your campaign, David. Uh, yeah, great. David, David for Nando's. Nando. Uh, let's just, uh, you know, let's knock out that coronavirus. Let's, uh, you know, set up a trip to D.C. or something. I believe there's Nando's in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's true. Yep. yep. So, you know, let's do it. Let's go. Da David, do you want to take a, a trip? Okay, actually, well, neither of us are in the same place, but let's take a trip. I'll meet you in D.C. Mm -hmm. Olivia can show us around. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Olivia's from D.C. Yeah, yeah. of course. Even when she's not here, she's here. Olivia, hey. she's so inside the beltway. <laughs> well, let's say this. That's true. Yeah. Look, there are she's two things we like to do on this show. Inside no, the beltway. Okay, never mind. Sorry. You, my, there was a lag. Whoops. No, I want to hear. I, I was going to say she's inside the beltway and 
Beyond the Lights. Oh, oh. all right, all right. See, worth it. Worth it to go back because now it's a smooth transition. <laughs> Ladies I got and a gentlemen, podcast too. <laughs> non-binary people, this is a podcast called Blank Check, and it's about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they go beyond the lights. And we are talking about the films of Gina Prince, Bythewood. We've gotten to what I contend is her masterpiece, although she arguably has a couple within a very short filmography. Mm. It is called Beyond the Lights, as we've now said three times in the last minute. This is Pod Basket Cast. <laughs> and our special guest today, what I was going to say is, we love doing crossover apps with other podcasts. And we love individually collecting the hosts of other podcasts. We kind of did it backwards of how we'll often do it sometimes. Mm. So you might have heard our guest on this show previously, on our Rachel Getting Married episode. But now, she's riding solo, baby. I'm riding solo. I'm at the BET Awards in my purple wig. <laughs> riding solo. You don't need Machine Gun Kelly anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I miss her. <laughs> oh, I miss be, her. That's sweet. Olivia will be back. I know. Just, uh, just Olivia, Olivia on the books for a future episode. She's in, she's in the spreadsheet. She's our in, guest today. She's a, a hot commodity, that Olivia. Of course. Yes, yes. We couldn't book her for like six more months. Yeah, no, she she wouldn't give me the time of day. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's filming a Marvel movie. I, I mean, oh, uh, we can't talk. We, look, we can't talk mean. about it. Uh, untitled Atlanta event project. <laughs> <laughs> but our uh, guest, our guest today is one half of the iconography podcast, and also, of course, the showrunner of the Kaminsky Method, ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. Iowa DeBerry, thank you so much for coming back on the show. So, so you were just uh, you were just sitting there one day and the just like, yeah, what if there was a Kaminsky method? Is that is that how it all started? You were just it, sort of looking out did. the window. Yeah, well, okay, I'm going to say one thing that is so, it's a DeBerry. Fuck. It's Fuck. okay. It's okay. okay. It's it, Listen, it's the same thing, right? It's like if you ha- yeah. are going to learn how to pronounce Kaminsky, you're going to learn how to pronounce a Debris, <laughs> sort of that. And let me say, I, I got Kaminsky wrong several times. A it lot. took a long time for me to learn that We one. practiced Adebri. it before the pod, so I'm glad you yes. got one out of two. Iowa Debris, <sighs> showrunner of the Kaminsky method. Fuck, Thank- see, I went back. <laughs> yeah. I went back. Well, it was a project that uh, it definitely, I would say, is one of my bigger passion projects. And- mm-hmm. The work that I've always sought to do in this industry, which is making space for those who do not have space being made for them, yes. right? And yes, yes. You know, I've, I've worked the Kaminsky's a long time. of the world. Thank right. you. Yeah. And I've worked a long time and was sort of inspired by my own experiences yeah. as a famous actor, mm-hmm. as a famous director, as a famous showrunner. Mm-hmm. taking all of these experiences that I'm collecting amongst my friends and I'm saying, who looks like us? Who sounds like us? Who talks like us? Yeah. Who's in the world? What's, who's, what's funny? Because that's the other thing about comedy today, right? You're getting all these this this uh, these rabble rousers involved yes. and I'm going, yes. yeah, but I'm not laughing. 
I go to a diner. I go to a diner with my good buddies, um, Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. Um, right. I believe. Yep. It's Alan yeah, you and nailed Michael it. Douglas. You, you nailed the you nailed stars it. of your show. Yes. That's 100%. Great. Two out of two. Good, yeah. good. And we're all um, ordering eggs, 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 laughing. So many eggs we're ordering. Right. Like the waitress comes and she's like, and for you, eggs. And for you, eggs. Uh-huh. And for you, eggs. Like just going around. We're getting hard boiled, soft boiled, scrambled, fried, over easy, sunny side. Everybody's getting different types of eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going, wait a minute. I'm laughing. I have to write this. <laughs> I have a duty to write this. Did you have one of those moments where you almost sat back and you went like, this could be a show. Like just this, what we're saying right now. Yeah. Like the way we're talking. Yeah. yeah. This could be the show. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was a movie at first. Then I wow. wrote the movie mm. and I said, wait a wow. minute. I'm writing about 10, 12 movies a mm. season. That's yes. a TV show. So I condensed. It's a 10 hour movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I condensed. You condensed, condensed and expanded at the same time. And for the better, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're all I will say, just full disclosure, mm-hmm. as CEO of Quibi, I did try mm. and poach the Kaminsky method, but I, I owe yeah. turn me down. I will say you offered more money. I, I offered a, a lot. Uh, I offered what I consider crazy money. Yeah, definitely yeah. not a quibby of money. If you know what I'm <laughs> saying. No, no. Yeah. That was a long yeah. chew. Yeah, that check was a large bite. Okay, you know, I, and, and more okay. on that. But yeah. um, it's about integrity for me, I'd say. It's about artistic integrity. And the place that had the most artistic integrity for sure was absolutely Netflix HQ, was the place mm. where... Me and my uh, my community, I'd say, could make the show that spoke to us and for us. And, you know, obviously now with uh, COVID-19, everything is really crazy, but we are a very tight knit cast and crew. Mm. And we were able to quarantine in the nursing home where all of the sure. writers and producers already wow, live. You, all you made a bubble. Together. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. I see. Yes. I see yeah. what you we did made there. a bubble. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. A and Kaminsky we bubble. Thank you. And we, and we, and we, um, well, we Kaminsky'd, uh, let's just say, and yeah. finished the third season really, really. No other out. word for it, what you guys are doing. Yeah. And, and honestly, thank you for your service and for pushing through and getting that third season finished. And worth it, I'd say. The result, I mean, it shows itself. Yeah. It's a perfect show that many people watch and I know many people have opinions on as well. And, um, and, and all different types of people as well. Um, well, okay, so that's that's the end of our traditional opening segment on the podcast, the Kaminsky breakdown. Thank you. Uh, right. So now, and I feel for like once, sh- relevant. Usually, <laughs> yeah. we're just pushing that that subject on our guests. Glad I could be here. Honestly, yeah, um, really good yeah, timing. Now, let's sort of like let's try and transition into a discussion of this filmmaker and the film she made. Mm. Uh, so, so Ayo, what's your relationship to Gina Prince, Prince Bythewood's films in general, and this one in particular? Well, first of all, I love her. I owe her my life. Um, Just like one of the, I don't know, she's just somebody who I always knew I looked up to, if that makes sense. And I feel like she's been in my world for so long and just was always a name that I knew and a face that I knew. And more and more, but especially in this moment where I feel like a lot of people are like learning things and like learning actors. And I'm like, I've known this and directors as well. Like I've known this person my whole life, even when I didn't realize it, but love and basketball is obviously like iconic imprinted on my 
psyche in the foreground and the background. And The Secret Life of Bees was on many a Saturday when my mother was doing my hair and I had to be like in front of the like TV or the weird kitchen DVD player that we had that was really high up so we couldn't change any of the movies. So we would sometimes watch the same movie for many months. So so Bees was in the rotation on the kitchen was, DVD. Uh-huh. Bees was one of them. A real kitchen DVD movie. I could it see is. that. You had a yeah. bee season. You had a bee season. And that's, yeah, and, yeah. And that's the word on that. It, bees, <laughs> um, Hillary Duff's a Cinderella story. Brandy's wow. Cinderella. Of course. Um, oh, there's another one that I... Just oh, uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Tyler Perry, obviously. Uh, the, the original, obviously, yes. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, we were watching the plays in our house. Sure. Um, but when Beyond the Lights came out, I remember watching it the year it came out and being so into it and so obsessed with Gugu and Batha Raw. Hmm. And being like, okay, I'm ready for everybody to know she's a superstar. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why isn't everybody not obsessed with the only perfect woman who's ever been born? Agree. It's, it's, yeah. we're now, we're now what? Six years on from this Beyond the Lights. This movie 2014, fall yeah. 2014. Yeah. And like, she's still not a superstar. I mean, she works. She's like in <sighs> stuff all the time. She's, what well, she's in the morning show now, right? I, I mean, which is like, to me, wrong. Incorrect. Uh, because it's a, a competitor to Kaminsky. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, Kaminsky um, only on TV. <laughs> no, but right. You're right. Like she's like the sixth lead on the morning show. No, she, she, like, right. Yeah. She needs to be the lead in her own show. She's so fantastic. Have you guys seen Fast Color? Yes, yes. I saw Fast Color. Yes, yeah. Phenomenal. Fast Color was, yeah. Uh, was great. Um, yeah. So like what's going on? Yeah, that, I guess that's the only other starring role she's really. I guess. Bell she was, was the same a, year as this. Bell was earlier was year this before. year. Be- Bell was the year before. Really? Yeah, or, mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, whatever. It was at festivals the year before. It might have, I think it came out okay. 2014. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and then since then, I mean, I, I think, um, what's it called? Um, the Cloverfield Paradox. I know everyone's agreed to forget that happened. But she was well, sort that, of a co-lead of that, right? Like, she that, was kind of a That's sort of the yeah, fundamental but, paradox of that movie. It exists and right. it doesn't at all at the same time. Like, and if I, mean, I told you there was a sci-fi space station movie with Gugu Mbatha-Raw, David Yellowo, Daniel Brühl, Elizabeth Debicki, like, that sounds so great. It's so fucked. It's so fucked that it's not good. Fundamentally. It's, it's yeah. the widows of Cloverfield movies. W- well, wait, is that an insult to widows? Because I, I can't, I can't handle that. That's going to mess me up. Okay. Come on, I, let's just get into it. Whatever this is, let's just deal with it right now. I loved Widows. I yes, saw it's the Widows best. three times in theaters. I loved Widows. I tried right. to I fight for Widows, and nobody believed me. The, the I saw it at a weird <laughs> premiere. I saw it with friends, and I saw it with my dad, and I sh- and nobody believed me. And and that was what was so hard about Widows. I just feel like widows deserve more. Widows right. isn't flawless. You know what I mean? But neither is no. love. You feel me? Do you know who stand for widows? David Lawrence Sims, number one film of that year on this podcast. Well, that's why you're yeah. a king, David. That's why you're a king. That's king shit. Right. It, it, that was that was a king move of mine. And uh, yeah. you are, you're one of my biggest reply guys on Twitter. Io. We have a great... <laughs> Back and forth. Thank you. In the marketplace of ideas. No, Widows is the best, but I know what you mean. It was a similar thing where it was like, when I saw Widows at uh, Toronto, I was go- I walked out of there and I was like, this thing, holy shit. It. Like, you know, yeah. people are going to go, why? Like, this is, this is the kind of like, it's going to 
it's going to get the raves. It's going to get the box office. Like, and then it like did okay. That was the thing. It felt like a rare movie that was going to be able to play both lanes equally well. Like it was going to make a hundred million dollars and it was going to get nominated in most major categories. But like there's a beyond the lights. I mean, you know, that's a sort of the story with that movie too, right? I mean, I don't think I thought it was going to make a hundred million dollars, but it was one of those like, why aren't people talking about this more? It's right here for everybody. Well, okay. Sorry to go back to widows, but I think it maybe it was a situation well one okay let's talk about the way that we don't give money to um you know black people um or promoting their uh movies that are good uh get into that um but i think another thing honestly was like promotion yeah it was it was they didn't know how to sell it it was really badly marketed and like the original poster is like this beautiful sort of like artsy like, oh, this is what it is. We're doing like in between cursive and like classic typeface, like title, right. all lowercase. It's black and white, them on the beach. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, this is nice. This is what the movie is. And then most of the theatrical posters are like really cheesy, Hallmark movie-esque, like bad. The DVD cover is like her- Abysmal. It's with bad. purple hair, abolish that. Smiling with the sunglasses. It, it, the, the sunglasses are purple. Like it's and, so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It's like every single piece of key art they did for this movie is bad in a different way. It's so crazy. I was a big Love and Basketball fan. I had yes. skipped a Secret Life of Bees in theaters. This had been like you know, there's a, a large gap between Love and Basketball and Secret Life of Bees, mm-hmm. a slightly shorter gap here. But she hadn't made a movie in a number of years, and then this marketing was so bad. I remember never seeing a trailer, never seeing a TV ad, only seeing a lot of bus ads yep. and like posters. And the posters were so bad. I was like, is this a, some like Nicholas Sparks esque thing? Like it looks yes. so generically melodramatic yeah. romance movie yes. rather than giving me any sense of what it was. And then I remember it was our friend of the show, um, uh, Marie Barty, mm-hmm. uh, who credit where credit is due, uh, also is the one who introduced Alex Ross Perry to the podcast. This was a litigation over Twitter recently. But uh, she was the one who, like, I remember one week showed up at the trivia night that Are we used we to Are we celebrating that? Sorry. <laughs> Let me stop. Hey, it's wow. celebrate good times. Celebrate good times. Um, but uh, we, David and I, uh, I.O. for context, became uh, friends because we both started obsessively going to a movie trivia night when we were very depressed. And that was the formation of our friendship. Love that. And Marie came in one week and was like, have you guys seen Beyond the Lights? And we were like, no. And she's like, it's one of the best movies of the year. It's insane. And I was like, I haven't heard anyone really talking about it at all. I assumed it was just sort of like a nothing. So then we went to see it like several days later. David and I cite it as like one of our important early friend dates early before date, we started yes. doing the podcast. And we were like, this is like a pivotal movie for us where we sat there watching it together, having that excitement when you're seeing a film that you've known almost nothing about. Like we really just knew people on the posters, both of whom aren't very well established at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And the director who we liked, but we didn't know what this movie was going to be. And that sense of excitement scene by scene where you're like, this is great. This is great. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's It's getting better. She's sticking the landing. It's one of those movies where all the scenes are good. And like, I know that sounds insanely trite, but like, that's actually kind of hard. An early friend date that I had with um, another friend. We saw Mm. um, Maurice 
together sure. was like when it was a um, oh no, what's the word? Restored. Okay, yeah, it was, it, of me. it was right. It had been re-released <laughs> or whatever. Um, and James Ivory was at the screening, and I went with a friend, and there was a Q and A, and we were like, "Holy wow. shit, we're gonna be at a Q and A with James Ivory! Everybody's gonna ask incredible questions, forgetting that it's a Q and A, and nobody asks good questions at a Q and A. That's the Ever. whole point of a Q and A. But this woman raised her hand and went, what made you decide to have it go from scene to scene to scene? Wow. Actually a great question. Why not just not do that? Okay. Um, But but beyond the lights is a movie where it goes. Yeah. This goes scene to scene to scene to scene. It really does go scene to scene to scene to scene to scene. It works. It works very hard and very well. It's also uh, another thing that's going to sound trite. Uh, Every scene works incredibly well as its own self-contained thing. And then the way those scenes build upon each other is masterful. Mm -hmm. It works in. Well, you could break this movie into quibbies and every quibby would be good. Oh, yeah, see. But also. The whole is greater than the quibbies. Mm -hmm. Yes. True. I will also say. Uh, Yeah. There's there's montages. There's not a lot, Mm. but there's montages. And they're not annoying. This movie gives good montage, like which is a, a rare But there's a compliment. reason why they're there. Yeah. And they're good. They hit. <laughs> okay, we're having an epic discussion about movies. Um, yeah, I think we saw it at the AMC Village 7, Griffin, mm-hmm. if you remember. Uh, near empty theater. <laughs> yes, we got a drink with uh, my girlfriend afterwards and just like, Yelled at her about Gushed. the movie. Yeah. Um, she was like, get a room that. with yeah, that movie like, you right. just saw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Griffin was like, I tried, but I really rolled his eyes. Yeah. Sighed loudly. But like, I guess I had maybe seen, I'm trying to think of like how much I knew the people in the, obviously I, I had seen love and basketball, but like, I guess I'd seen Gugu in like some doctor who episodes. I think I'd seen bell. Uh-huh. Have you think. seen like, Larry Crown? Had you worn the crown yet? You know, I've never, I've never worn the crown. I never took a ride wow. on that that uh, scooter with Tom and Julia. You ever, yeah. you ever go to? You ever? How, how else? You ever seen Larry Crown? I um, I have horrible news to report. I've never oh, no. seen Larry Crown. That's just oh, that's just too damn bad. Uh, you know what are you gonna do? Do you want to stop the record so you can watch it and then we can resume later? <laughs> just with the knowledge of Larry Crown in the background, it, it couldn't hurt. A little background crown. Doesn't she play like kind of like a cool person in Larry Crown? She's Is like she some like kind of young Yaya cool DaCosta person. And like the kids I, are all right, like I that type of thing. Think so I where it's like think so. she's cool, and also she's black. But these things have nothing to do with each other, <laughs> and that's what we believe in this movie. Like that. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's the case, but I regrettably inform you that I have also never worn the crown. Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, she because I believe the pitch of Larry Crown is that he goes to college. He's an older man, right? Yes. And Julia Roberts is his post-divorce teacher who's given up. It's like his whole mm-hmm. life collapses. He loses his corporate job, and I think his wife leaves him, and he's like, ah, well, I gotta start over. And uh, at Google Mbatha Raw, and so he plays falls in love Talia, with Talia. His economics classmate who invites him to join a club of scooter riders led by her boyfriend, Del Gordo, who is played by Wilmer Wilmer Valderrama. Valderrama. So So wait a minute. So you're telling me Tom Hanks is Larry Crown 
falls in love and eventually gets entangled with his teacher, played by Julia Roberts. Sounds like a yes. Larry Crown affair. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hey. yeah, I'm boy, sick of myself. Oh My body's a prison. I'm dying to get out. I, I <laughs> will say the uh, the cast of Larry Crown is yeah. just all stars. You got okay. Pam Greer, Cedric the, the Entertainer. Can Brian I read the order? No, I'm Can doing it. Well, right, but I want to read it on the poster. All David right. already pretty much did it. It's just the order on the poster is insane. Okay, what's the order on the poster, Griffin? Hanks, Roberts, Larry Crown, Cranston, Entertainer, P. <laughs> Henson, Mabatha Raw, Valderrama, Greer. No and. But here's who it's not mentioning. Rami, Rami Malek, Malek. Rita Wilson, George Takei. You got Rob Wiggle. Riggle? Not Rob Wiggle. You have uh, Chet Hanks as pizza delivery boy. What? Okay, Slay, Chet Hanks you have involved. Nia Vardalos, who co-wrote the movie, as a map genie, the voice of a map genie. Randall Park is on? in it. Randall Park. Randall Park, when's he bad? He's Walk always a delight. He's always yeah. good. So maybe we should be doing Larry Crown, but no, we decided to pick a slightly later project for yes. Gugu, which is Beyond the Lights. Might never watch Larry Crown, which is so hard to know. To know. It feels like you could be watching it right now and not be aware of it. It That's feels like one of those so things. So true. It feels like a movie when you're in a hotel in Tallahassee and you're trying to go to bed, but you can't exactly go to bed. So you turn mm. on the TV and you flip the channel exactly three times. And then on the third channel, you decide <laughs> to close your eyes and you see, keep watching it in between commercials for like uh, TGI Fridays and detergent. Feels Good like call. that. I I think That's you nailed it. it. I I think I only can see myself watching Larry Crown in a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I would choose it on an airplane. But in a hotel room, if it was on, I would sit down and watch all of it. Those are different movies. Hotel Absolutely. movie and airplane movie is different movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, airplane movie. I need to be engaged. Like I, mm -hmm. I need I need to be have something to pay attention to. Hotel movie, right? Hook. Yeah, I yeah. don't need anything from that. You're trying to enough. sleep in a hotel. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like Larry Crown isn't a movie I've actively avoided. I always assumed I would get around to it one day. But five months into lockdown, I think it's become clear. <laughs> I'm never going to see Larry Crown. You're if not going to do If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. <laughs> Here's the series I'm going to pitch for y'all to Ooh. do in about 20 years. <laughs> mm. Ooh. Tom Hanks director. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's it's, it's a lot of good stuff there. You got that thing yeah. you do. Uh, you got Larry Crown, which I'm not sure if we've mentioned on this podcast yet. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. Looking for a mechanic opening. You know, you got that episode of, you know, some episodes of like Band of Brothers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Earth to the Moon. Uh, Earth to the Moon. Pretty good show. Yeah. Um. So, you know. I, I mean, know. If, you, if if you include TV and screenwriting, then Greyhound yeah. gets in there. Let's let's toss Greyhound in there. Have you watched Greyhound, Griffin? Gre I've not taken the Greyhound bus. Okay. Greyhound's a okay. Um, he did the League of uh, League of uh, League of her League of their own t TV show. Okay, he did yeah. Like he directed. He directed. It? That's like cool. the '90s pilot. Yeah, that makes sense. He produced the movie, or, or oh, was in wow. it, or whatever. He did an episode yeah. called "Monkey's Curse." Wow. Uh -oh. Wasn't that fun? Um, I mean, oh, yes. he's also got that Apple movie. Yeah, Greyhound. That's Greyhound. That's Greyhound. Greyhound's all right. Which he wrote but didn't direct. Yeah. Uh, Greyhound okay. is 80 minutes long. 
Mm. Oh, well, that's eight, for zero. the movie. Yes. It, it's like it, it, you, you, you queue it up and it says it's 90 minutes long. You're like, oh, 90 minutes long. It's pretty short. 10 minutes of credits. It's it's eight zero. You, you're basically out of there at 75. I saw people complaining online about the recent reveal that the new Bill and Ted movie is 78 minutes long and being like, and you expect me to pay for that on VOD? I would pay double for that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds ideal. I would pay twice as much as I did for King of Staten Island to be able to watch half of that runtime. They should break Tenet into two pieces. And it would make both both pieces more uh, alluring. Let's stop talking around it. Tenet should be released on Quibi. Tenet should be a Quibi. <laughs> I'm trying. Chris won't return my calls. Because he doesn't have a cell phone. I know. I think it's just so crazy how annoying he's being about it. Like, I feel like yeah. everybody would be, like, on his side if he just was, like, like quiet about it. And he keeps, and also I saw this thing that it was like, well, it's screened privately. And it's like, yeah, of course it does. That's what most movies do. Like, oh, just shut up. <laughs> you know what's wild about it too, I up. I have the exact same takeaway. And then I step back and think about the fact that he has barely spoken publicly about it. And yet his sentiments keep on coming through in every news update. Like it's incredible to do that few interviews and still come off as annoying. That takes skill. Uh, uh, if if he just said, like, if this was his statement, if he said, I believe in preserving the theatrical experience, mm-hmm. I refuse to put this movie on VOD, mm-hmm. I will be saving this film until it is safe for theaters to reopen, everyone would cheer him. Yeah. If he just cool. said, I'm, it's undated, I will give it a date when it's ready, or I'm pushing it back a year or whatever it is. But this this game. Yeah, no, the game is bad. Game. He's yeah. kind of like being a fuckboy about it. It's annoying. Absolutely. I, I will say, last piece, I've treated the sentiment before, but I just want to have it on vocal record. Kenneth Lonergan waited six years for Margaret to mm. come out. Mm. Nolan Perfect can moment. wait. Yeah. Wow. Margaret so- only got better with time. Yeah. We need the Margaret re-release. I got to make my man some money. Oh, Margaret, Mar- Margaret, Margaret. Margaret, I You're don't think that's a good COVID re-release. That's sitting for a while in no, this no, same yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. No, no, a while, a while, a while. It's not, not, not an immediate re-release. I'm working what on if, it. What if that was the announcement? Like, AMC is reopening mid-August <laughs> with a lot of Hollywood classics, Greatest Showman, Ghostbusters, Margaret. <laughs> Back on the big screen. If yeah. I worked hard enough, people would come out. That's all I'll say Which on cut? that. Which cut? Which cut? I want directors. <laughs> Have you, you've seen both, I assume, I Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sick. He did, he did a screening at uh, uh, the quad of the director's cut and was going to do a Q&A afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, director's cut is only on like standard definition DVD. This is like a rare chance to see it on a proper film print. And then it started up and they were screening the DVD. <laughs> and <laughs> oh afterwards, God. someone asked, they were like, is there a reason why we just watch a standard def version of the director's cut? And he was like, that's literally all that exists. <gasps> it was after the movie was released in the cut. I didn't approve. I, with my own money, went back and tried to re-edit it with like DV tapes I had. I don't have access to the original elements. I'm still begging someone to let me re-edit it properly. Holy shit. So there, I, there's fundamentally no higher quality version of that director's cut. The whole Margaret thing 
is basically worth us doing a Kenneth Lonergan miniseries. I know we only directed three movies so far, but uh, just but three like bangers. That Sorry. Three absolute bangers. Yeah. Three and bangers. Also, absolutely. I mean, co-wrote gangs of New York. Yeah. I know. Great movie. Which I feel like you could, if you wanted to bend the rules a little, <laughs> David's face saying, no, don't worry. Well, look, we'll do Marty. No, Scorsese doesn't really fit into our template. He doesn't really fit into the types of directors we cover. Oh on yeah, the show. that guy. That guy's never been able to like do something absolutely wild that a studio was like, you know, looking at in horror while it was happening. I would insist that we include the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle because we're never yeah. going to do a Des McAnoff miniseries. And Lonergan does have sole screenwriting credit on that one. He does. Mm-hmm. He does. He's the only credited screenwriter of the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. There's that scene where Bullwinkle runs over Allison Janney with a car. <laughs> I just want to. And then he holds we, her in her arms as she he thinks that Bullwinkle is her daughter. We got to get to be on the lines. About that but, movie. Okay. Yes. No, go well, ahead, Io. And then I'm going to read the billing order of that movie. And then we're going to talk about Beyond the Light. Okay. Well, fun fact about Rocky and Bullwinkle is I saw it once but never finished it because um, uh, the CGI freaked me out so much when I was a kid that I threw up. Wow! <laughs> so it was like it was like sensory overload. Like yeah, you're like I, I just can't. Disgusting! I found it really <laughs> disgusting, and I threw up. Uh, here is the above the title billing order. Griffin, do you remember the billing order on Margaret? So, uh, no, for the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, De Niro, okay. Russo, Alexander, and then Moose Squirrel. Correct. Iconic. Perfect. Uh, this um, summer, it's not the same old bull. That was the very tagline. Uh, I was going to say Beyond the Lights. I was. I'm looking at Gugu's IMDb here, which launched our uh, Larry Crown well, no, sidebar. Sad again. I'm sorry. It's um, okay. I the only thing I think I'd seen her in up until this point was uh, Doctor Who, where she did a handful of episodes as uh, the companion's sister. That's right. Um, but but this is Moffa's sort of her sister breakout year she was mostly doing tv before them with rare exceptions and then it's like she Bell and Beyond the Lights. she yes. played ophelia to jude law's hamlet but then oh, and then talking and about then the, why she uh, didn't was, immediately become a movie star what well i i'm forgetting there was undercovers oh right do you remember undercovers Aya? oh no. yeah sexpionage undercovers this? was it was boris cujo and gugu right yep yeah, J.J. Abrams produced Sexy Spies Show, and it was like mm-hmm. the most hyped TV show of the fall, the most expensive show, the J. most J. promo everyone was like, this is going to be the biggest. He created it, and it was like his first it. new show post-Lost, post-movie career, and he was like, I'm telling you, these are the next two stars, this is going to fucking blow up, and it got canceled in like half a season. Whoa. Yes, but I was going to Regal Cinemas a lot in 2010 and it was like all over regal first look for a solid month and there's a scene where uh gugu is like we're gonna have to do some sexpionage and ben schwartz who played like the computer guy is like did she just say sexpionage and i just that's i will never forget that line reading it is in my memory forever i'll say this that is why ben schwartz is bb8 is because of undercover. Right, that's how he met J.J. Abrams. Oh my God, it is. Yeah, yes, it's right. 100% why. That was like his first big like TV job, and he clearly just hung on to J.J. Uh, smartly. 
Um, but anyway, but so she'd I'm, been in that. So there was some acknowledgement well, no, what I was of like, say, oh, this is a hot young talent. Okay, what were you going to say? Because I have this conversation with you all the time, moving backwards 20 minutes in conversation. I always ask you, why hasn't Gugu become like a superstar yet? It felt like she was in that conversation of like, here we go, next wave. And if you look at the things she's done after this, it's like Jupiter Ascending comes out the following year, but obviously been shot a lot earlier and pushed back. She plays a fawn. It's my background image right now on Zoom. It's a small role. She crushes it. Then it's like, Second lead in concussion. That, in theory, was a big part. That movie doesn't go anywhere, right? What do you mean that movie does not do well? <laughs> I'm Nigerian. I'm allowed to make fun of that accent. Yeah. Please. I'm Nigerian. Yeah. I could, I'm, you could make fun of that for 20 minutes. I would, I would just be are. having a great time. You're allowed to make tell fun me of that the truth. I, tell I don't me think the we're truth. allowed to say anything in response to it. You can't say anything about it. The only 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 cultural footprint of that movie is tell the truth just those yes, three yes. words that's it tell the truth and then jada pinkett smith was like he should have won an oscar you're racist and i was like girl <laughs> that's i mean pick your battles will's given some very good performances we don't have to act like that's the one <laughs> right we don't True. have to say right that's the one that was slept on no dude's in good standing I do remember seeing like a preview for it when I was with my dad, also iconic Nigerian man, and we laughed, laughed, laughed. But both of us were like, oh, we like her. Gugu? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, yeah. But then you look at like other sort of failed oscar things. She's in Free State of Jones, right? Yep. Oh, She's wow, in Miss Sloan. Like Miss this Sloan. is a lot of like... Big Oscar-y people. She's playing like second or third lead. Mm-hmm. The movie doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. We, of course, forget that she played Plumet. The Feather Be- Duster. Duster. I didn't forget. The Feather Duster and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I never forget. Cloverfield Paradox. Mm-hmm. She's the mom in Wrinkle in Time. And then, as you said, Io, Fast Color is like her only other real proper sort of uh, leading and role. She's excellent in that movie. It's excellent. like a small movie. But it's very, like, focused. It's a, you know, like, uh, her and Lorraine Toussaint are both, like, fantastic. Phenomenal. You know, it's it's yeah. it's not boring. Yeah, I don't, like, you know, it's like a good, small-scale, sort of superhero-y movie that's actually about, you know, mothers and daughters and, like, all mm-hmm. kinds of but stuff. But the movie right? barely like, gets seen. And now yeah. it, like, was, it barely got released. And then, like, the weekend it was released was announced that it was going to get turned into a TV show with someone else. I don't know if that's still happening. But it was very much treated as if, like, oh, this is a good piece of IP to now inspire a streaming that show. Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, and then the only other thing, really, of note is Motherless Brooklyn. And we don't have to talk about that. I mean, she's in it. That's about all I got. She shows up and does the work every time. But you look at her career since Beyond the Lights, and there's a lot of like on paper good prestige projects that just do not pan out. And then the other thing, whenever I bring up to you, David, like why hasn't she popped? You're like, it's the stupid reason, which is she hasn't been in a Marvel and she hasn't been in a Star Wars. And it's like the only fucking thing that moves the needle these days. And she constantly will get batted around for these things. I believe she was at one point very rumored to play one of the two female leads in Last Jedi. I think it's the role that maybe ended up being uh, Laura Dern was supposed to be younger originally. Okay. Uh Sure. And then was... Talked about for the uh, Amelia Clark role in Solo, where every other person who screen tested was a woman of color, and then they cast Amelia Clark. They cast another British brunette lady. I support that. Um, great decision. She was right uh, for the role. For the role of um, 
woman of color <laughs> who would ultimately be ca- played by a white woman. Kira, Kira, what's her name? Yeah. She's apparently in Loki. She's going to be in Loki. That's what I was going to say. So she's in the yeah. Loki show that started filming before this and who knows when it ever resumes. But it yeah. feels like as much as she tried to, not that she tried to bypass it, she did test for all these things. Yeah, she's going to be in that that movie that I don't even know when it's going to come out. Maybe it did already come out. Maybe it came, oh, I think it came out right before COVID or something. Um, misbehavior with a U. With Kira Knightley, hmm. but I don't know if she's the actually the lead in it, or if Kira Knightley's the lead, or if Kira Knightley just have first billing because it's supposed oh, to be about the black, the first black, the first Miss World winner of uh, Miss first World. black Miss World. Yes. So you would go, oh, this is a movie about black people, and yeah, every single other person in the movie is white, but whatever. Um, Kira Knight, Guguma Batharaw, Jesse Buckley, my Keely girl, Hawes, Leslie, Leslie Manville, Mandel, Reese Greg Kinnear with a false Kinnear. nose. Can you play Bob Hope? Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, sounds that sounds good. good. It does yeah. look like it came out in the UK right before COVID. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other one, she has that movie Summerland with Gemma Arterton, which just came out on VOD. Yeah, I have heard that not pretty, pretty mixed buzz on that one. I mean, yeah. You know, whatever. It's the thing. It's, you know, I understand the project she picks or whatever or gets or, you know, but well, here's she has what not I, had that uh, big breakout since. I mean, Go ahead. I, I think it's like, okay, here's the me, my tea. Yes, she hasn't had Marvel or Star Wars, but also she's in mm-hmm. the hard part of being like beautiful, young, black, light skinned woman, which is like mm-hmm. a very particular pocket of black actresses and I think a lot of like like yes there's like the success of that if you're willing to be like very hot sexy or if like if you're a black woman and then it's like oh we don't actually find you like sexually attractive or viable you're like Viola Davis Octavia Spencer to us like we're always gonna see you as like hardworking tough sort of intense Mm -hmm. and we're gonna like to your face tell you like oh no we totally respect you and like find you beautiful we're saying beautiful we keep saying beautiful hmm (laughs) sort of thing and I think she's just like in a really and sort of a a tricky spot, but people know that she's yeah. talented because even like San Junipero was like, okay, so finally that's, right. we're like, that's the one thing right. we forgot to mention. Right. San Junipero, mm-hmm. which she's great in. That's, I mean, her two biggest things, even if like uh morning show doesn't necessarily do her totally right. Morning show and San Junipero are inarguably the two biggest things she's done since this movie. They're the two that have had any sort of impact. Yeah. At large. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And now she's doing another streaming show that's a Marvel, and hopefully that's the thing that finally makes people uh, recognize her. But I do think you're right. I feel like you look at those career choices and they feel like someone trying to circumvent the traps that you're describing. Mm -hmm. And perhaps she has not found a way to circumvent those and also be in a good project with a good role. But she's trying. She's trying. Anyway. Let's talk about, about the Beyond actual the Lights, movie. The movie <laughs> yes. we're here to talk about, starring Gugum Bathara, also starring Minnie Driver, mm-hmm. um, starring Nate Parker, Danny uh, Glover, who else is, uh, Danny Glover, yes. as and Machine dad. Gun Kelly, of course. Of course, starring, as starring. Yeah. As kid culprit, but essentially As kid himself. culprit. We love him. Yeah. Oh, isn't he billed as, as Coulson? Coulson. Uh, Baker, a, you know, quotes MGK yeah. Baker. So, so fucked. I I will say though, as the transition from General Gugu talk into this movie talk, uh, 
this film was set up at Sony. Sony bought the script. They were committed to making it at a reasonable budget for an adult drama, as much uh, of a budget as that kind of movie gets these days. She starts auditioning. She sees Gugu. She says, this is my actress. Sony says, we will not make that movie with someone this unknown. And Gina, Who did they want? I don't know who they wanted. Amelia I never Clark. saw that. I will say I saw two things. I saw two <laughs> things, which were one, she said that they constantly push back on the idea of both leads being black. They said she could have one or the other. Well, that was my Jesus. fault. I was working at yes. Sony at the time. <laughs> And I just felt like, all right, I need to say something. And that's, you know, here's the thing. You learn, you grow. Obviously, yeah. if you look at things in hindsight and you, David's really upset, obviously, about my tenure oh, at Sony. Well, uh, yes, which, no. And, which, and you, look, you you had to deal with the fallout when your emails got hacked I and everyone read mistakes. your entire. I had a lot yeah. of mistakes around that period of time. I had a You were problem. part of the Sony hack. I had a problem. Yeah. I was drinking a lot. I was acting up. I was, <laughs> I was acting Sending wild emails to Gina prince Bifor. <laughs> I was yeah. sending mean emails. To Gina. And obviously now, as you know, I'm trying to get my career started. I look back at that. I apologize. It wasn't necessarily right of me. And obviously, you know, no. hope I'm, look, I'm looking forward to making events in this business. And obviously having two black leads is definitely something that I think now I am more open to considering yeah. in a film. It's clean and rad and powerful. Thank you. To quote the Sony hacks. <laughs> who, who are the two names you had heard, Griffin? I don't know if I saw names. Oh, I just saw oh, okay, that they okay. said like, A, oh, okay. at least one of them needs to be a star and B, can you please have one of them be white? Right, because there, there are- I think are she was no carrying big, yeah. Nate Parker with her in the back pocket having worked with him on Beyond, uh, Secret Life of Bees. Mm-hmm. I think she thought she wanted him. Then she started seeing people, saw Gugu, latched onto it. Sony said no. And she said, okay. They gave her back the movie and she committed for another like two to three years trying to set the movie up somewhere else with Gugu attached. Like yeah. she was very adamant. I am not making this movie without you. I think for the Gugu part, they wanted Rihanna or Beyonce. I, I mean, I could see them being like, can't sense. we cast an actual pop star? Yeah. Right? And then like, get like a nice little famous. white boy to help out in the in the end. They right. wanted they literally they just they wanted Beyonce to do and Justin the Long. bodyguard. Yes, no, no they like, wanted the bodyguard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they just were like, wait, this looks like the bodyguard to us. Let's just do the bodyguard. <laughs> Much like, you know, a star is born. Like, yes. you know, they're like, well, we have the template. Let's just do a star right. is born. Like, yeah. And it's yeah. like, can't you see that it would be so much more interesting if it wasn't just the bodyguard right. again? <laughs> can't yes. you see why? Yeah. That could be good. But you, you have to imagine that's why Sony latched onto it was like, oh, if we cast a pop star, then the movie becomes, is this autobiographical? Is it about her commenting on... Whereas when you cast an actress to deliver a fucking perfect performance, you focus on the actual story that's being told rather than trying to map it onto that actress's career. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. But another little decision was like the character was written to be American and a thing I gripe about all the time. Gina was like, can you try doing it in your natural accent? She does the accent. She goes, yeah, that's great. I'll just rewrite the character to make it British. That's why you and Samuel L. Jackson are feuding. Oh, wait, I'm feuding with Samuel. Oh, but wait, no, I'm sorry. That's, I don't that's know why the, Griffin I don't get is the feuding with Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson classically um, believes that British black actors are stealing black American actors. Oh, sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. to which I say, you're not going to get that opinion on this part. Head on over to iconography if you want the tea on that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. You have to set in a few little, you know, back doors <laughs> yeah. to yeah. spin off moments. I'm not posting as much as I could or should, so I gotta do the ads where I can. You know what I mean? Right, Leave right, some exactly. breadcrumbs. Leave some breadcrumbs. Yeah. 
little um, Easter egg for the folks. I remember when I tried to get people to see this movie when it was still in theaters. I'd go Came like, out let me in, tell you uh, how November of 2014. Yeah. So you and David wrapped in your scarves, your yes. noses yep. all red because all red like that's what yeah. happens to uh, our pockets white full of people. cinnamon sticks yes, yes. and <laughs> you've got your little knit beanies on that you knit yes. for each other breath yeah. fogging anxiously as you wait for each other iphone twos blinking blinking about to die oh will he show up will he show up will i see him will i see him will i miss my iphone too <laughs> Carolers outside as we blow on our hands and approach the ticket taker booth. Thanksgiving carolers, of course. Give them sixpence for for one (laughs) ticket. Prancing down the cobblestones. Yes. Saying hello to the projector man as he stretches his arms, ready to crank for for a solid, what, 116 minutes or something? The projector man, he had like a little candle on a metal dish. And he opened the window and he said, you, you two trivia nerds down there. What day is it? What day is it, sir? So we're like November. I think it's like November 29th or something like that. November 29th or something like that. It's me, either Griffin or David. (laughs) Uh, Works for either of us. Mm. Um, I just remember telling people when it was in theaters and I was trying to convince them to go see it like. Because people hadn't even heard of it, or if they'd seen the posters like me, they didn't even know what it was about. And I was like, let me tell you how this film opens. And then I'd start telling them, and they'd go like, wait, don't tell me the whole movie. And I'd go, no, that's just the first 10 minutes. Like, this movie has such an engaging opening 10 minutes that just totally hook you in terms of just, like, what dramatic incidents to open on. Mm -hmm. The cold open is the scene with Minnie Driver driving her young daughter through the streets of London late at night looking for a black hairdresser that is open late because her daughter is going to do her first talent show the next day and she doesn't know how to tend to her daughter's hair. And she gets there just as they're closing up shop and she pleads with the woman desperately to uh, show them a kindness. Um, Now, Gina has said she was adopted by Mm -hmm. wealthy white parents in Southern California, grew up not knowing her birth mother until her 20s, spent thousands of dollars over years hiring private investigators to try to find her birth mother. Never could find her. Then one of her step-siblings looked and found her in like two minutes. She tracked down her mother, and her mother had her when she was a teenager. Her mother is white and said, I gave you up for adoption because I was white and you were black and I was in Chicago. And the origin of this movie as a story is Gina trying to imagine what her childhood would have been like had her mother kept her. And Mm. everything sort of spirals out of that, and then other themes come in there as well. Even in that 10 minutes, I think, I mean, like, I didn't know all of that which is like incredible um but i think just like for me like the the there's that that moment that like scene or those that sequence with like trying to find the hair and the talent show that is like so you know it's so real and so raw and you can already feel like okay wow like i'm watching well already a better movie than i thought this was going to be um like it just the feel of the camera is like so textured and like cool. And then you're like immediately in that machine gun Kelly music video. Terrifying. There's that hard transition. Masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's that hard transition where the first five minutes are kind of like delicate and poetic, you know, sad, but Mm -hmm. like really kind of lived in. And then you get to the talent show. Here's this very, very shy, uncomfortable looking girl. She gets up, she starts singing, she kills it. 
And then you hear her audio, but they sort of like montage the rest of the talent show, the other acts, which feels like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. From the moment this girl opens her mouth and she can sing like that, it's very clear. It's undeniable. She has the goods. The question is, what happens as a result of that? But she doesn't have to prove herself as a singer. Mm-hmm. You see the other acts, including this little blonde girl doing her like Shirley Temple routine. And then they come out to give out the awards and they announce that young uh, Nomi wins runner up. And you see her like beaming as she gets this trophy. She's so right. excited. She's so happy. She won yes. a trophy. But and then this is the moment where I'm like masterful. This movie, we are in a master's hands. Cut straight to Mini Driver, and Mini Driver is irate, and then it cuts back to Nomi, and immediately her joy is gone. Yeah. She feels no sense of accomplishment. She's looking for her mother's pride, and her mother is irate that she didn't win first place. And it's like, the system is fucked. Those judges are fucked. We're going to have to spend the rest of your life fighting this. We're going to make you famous no matter what. Right. Then you hard cut to music video. And it feels like in the first five minutes, we've done like... What and I don't mean this as a backhanded uh, against the other movie, but like the the effect of when you cut to Trevante Rhodes at the end of Moonlight and you go like, holy shit, how did that kid end up here? It's that same sort of gap where you go from like incredibly shy, painful young girl to now straight to music video, straight to crotch. Right. <laughs> and it's like we've cut out the 15 years of her on the conveyor Ben's belt. Here. Yeah, Ben's there's been pu- arms pumped. <laughs> Just kidding. This may have been the first time I had seen Mini Driver in a movie in 10 years. You didn't see Phantom of the Opera? That's that's it. 10 oh, years earlier. that was the 10-year point? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think, I don't think, like, that's how gone she was. Like, yeah. she, I guess she had done some TV, right? Like, she, but the like. Riches. She, well, she did yeah, Barney's, exactly. she did Barney's version. You know, I oh. never did check out Barney's version of things. Giamatti, Rosamund Pike, where's she? She's another where she at. I, oh, I do love Rosamund Pike. I'm less invested, um, but I, I've got problems. I, my, I'm probably going to start an agency at some point. That's Google and Bothara, Rosamund Pike, <laughs> and Alden Ehrenreich. You and I had a long Alden DM about, like, how, how has this gotten fucked up? Yeah, and I think They I all fall into that category. Yeah, yeah, but you look at, like, Hail Caesar... Gone Girl, Beyond the Lights. And you're like, this should be on autopilot now. Yeah, It's all set up. It's there. It's right there for the taking. Um, Another immediate thing. You look at the fake music video in this movie. And Mm -hmm. I go like, I buy this as a real music video. As a real music music video. video. Yes, yes. I buy her as a real pop star. Everything has the right scope. I feel like very often things feel like the filmmakers. Yes. Especially, I feel like when filmmakers make movies about pop music oh, it often boy. feels condescending well this is vox lux yes this yes. is vox lux this is you hate yes. pop music you don't listen to pop music you don't respect exactly. it you find it you inherently misogynist and so you're right. not choosing to respect it or give the women agency it feels like you're parodying the thing that's yes. inherently your subject yes. matter yes and so i think also a thing that's really interesting is like a lot of times you look at these movies and then you look at the consultants and you go okay these are people who used to work in this industry mm-hmm. but they don't actually work in it anymore they pointedly moved out yes. of it and because she's incredible she made sure she got people who actually like were still currently working and very talented. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, you know, uh, like Beyonce's hairdresser and like Rihanna's stylist and like the music, like, you know, Diane Warren is like writing songs yeah. and like 
she she's getting like working choreographers doing the choreography. Like she's making sure it's actually people who are engaged in this industry and can make it look and feel as real and and wantable and viable, like actual pop and celebrity wants and, and feels. And it's also like, as I think you were trying to build up to Griffin, you got sidetracked, but like this movie was made for $7 million, right? Versus That's what's insane. the more yeah. robust, probably yeah. one imagines like 30 million or whatever that Sony right. probably would have put up for it. Um, right. A Rogan. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rogan. A gentleman's <laughs> Rogan. That's what you call $30 million. If you're getting $30 million in Hollywood, it's, you're Seth Rogan. Mm. You're in Roganville. Otherwise, um, you're getting seven or you're getting 120. But, like, but only Rogan you, gets exactly 30 for a budget. If you think hard about, like, if you concentrate on, like, oh, I guess this movie's not using a ton of locations, like, you know, you know like, then maybe you could see, like, okay, I guess it was made mm-hmm. pretty cheap. Like, there, but you, it does not feel like a, no, essentially indie movie. Like, you know, I, I, like it's crazy. Right. It's so I specifically well put my eye on it this time because I forget what episode it was. But on some recent episode, David, we were talking about how expensive it is to make a movie about rich people that things right, like mantle, rent mansion rentals and yeah, cars yeah, yeah. and like showing their nightlife and things like that. Like it inherently gets very expensive to make movies yeah. about people who live at the upper echelons of society. And this is a movie where like when they go to a award show, when they're at a concert, when they're at a party, I believe it every single time for $7 million. And she's clearly strategically like dressing things and picking her angles and how long she stays in places. Mm-hmm. But I still, I don't feel that strain ever. It's pretty impressive. And I also just think, as you said, Io, like you you believe that this movie has respect for the artistry mm-hmm. at every angle of her career, whether or not it is the genre that she respects the most. She's acknowledging like there is an artistry to doing a pop star photo shoot and a music video and how you dress for an award show and all these sorts of things. And every choice feels very specific and lived in and accurate. And it also does the thing that I feel like trips me up in so many movies about fictional famous people where every moment I go, I know exactly what level her career's at. Like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Every piece of context you're given for where she's at, what kind of career she has, how the public views her, it's, like, all coherent. So she, uh, to be clear, Noni, Noni Jean, Mm -hmm. is about to release her first album. She's been doing a lot of features. She's been breaking out this opening sequence. We cut from her video to the award show where she's winning her first award. But she's been collaborating with Kid Culprit. We have to talk about him, Kid Culprit. Do yeah, we? we have to talk about him. We have MGK. to talk about him, Ben. No. Ben, I'm sorry. We have to talk about him. Fine. We need to talk about Kid Culprit. Is this the first movie he <laughs> no. was in? This was the first time oh, I remember Oh, is it the first movie him. he was in? Possibly, yes. I, I thought you were going to say is it the first time we discussed him because, of course, no, there was roadies. Yes. Right. Which but I, I remember like, him being kind of sweet on, like him he's being really sweet. It was yeah, his yeah, first yeah. movie. He didn't like TV things. He was in, um, I mean, the classic MTV show that everybody loves, Guy Court, the Guy Code spinoff. Oh, yes. <laughs> that everybody Court loves and remembers. Where, where, where Danelle Rawlings was the judge? Yes. 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 Okay. Guy Court. Here we Guy go. Court. Yes. Um, and he was in an episode of uh, WWE Raw. Mm. Oh, sure. He was in um, two, actually. Mm, excuse me. I, I genuinely have no idea why he's called Machine Gun Kelly. I will tell you, looking at his uh, Wikipedia page, 
He's open about his use of cannabis. He cites mm-hmm. DMX and Eminem as influences, and he identifies as an anarchist. So those wow. are just some things you should know about Machine Gun Kelly. I will say I saw Machine Gun Kelly at a protest. Yes, I think he hey. has been out dur- during the protest. So, like he's been putting in the time, right? Yeah. I saw him standing on things. I mean. Wow. With his own legs? His yeah, own two feet? That's it. His own tall, tall legs. I don't know if Kid Culprit would be doing that, though. Kid Culprit seems a little more of a corporate creature. He's more Bieber. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to do country music in two years. Good call. Yeah. He's about to, like, hook up with Bubba Sparks. Guys, (laughs) he's called Machine Gun Kelly because of his rapid fire delivery. All right. Ah, Of course. Like a machine gun. That's awesome. God, you needed that context. Like a machine gun. Yes. I just want to know what, like, Kid Culprit, like, where do you think he is now, six years later? How's he? So you're saying he's gone full country. I think he's sober. Yeah. And has, like, a girlfriend that he posts a lot of pictures, like, of him holding her ass on Instagram. (laughs) Is he a member of the Hillsong Church? Yeah, he sells. He has his own CBD company. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um. All right. So, all right. So she's with Kid Culprit. She's winning a Billboard Award. I'm sorry. Carry on. They're they're, they're PR coupled. Yes. Yes. But this is like the breakneck piece. Like I would tell people these opening ten minutes, and they'd go like, "Hey, slow down, slow down. Where where are we in the film? Ninety minutes in? I'm like, no, no. This is like you're you're caught in the cycle of how rapidly her mm-hmm. life is moving here. These mm-hmm. five minutes of just like everything, 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 and her having to constantly be on, joking to everyone, even when she gets in the backseat of the car and she's with her entourage, you can tell she's still performing. Like she's still throwing out one-liners. They get up to the hotel, Nate Parker security guard outside. She closes the door behind her. Rest of the entourage comes, let us in, let us in. He says, no, she just told me not to let anyone in. Mini driver goes, I'm her mother. You have to let me in. Door opens. She's been, what, alone, unattended for 60 seconds? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even, right. Yeah, like a right. couple minutes. Yeah. Right. But I think this is key is like, it's yeah. such a small sliver of time when she whispers to him, don't let anyone in. You get the sense that he follows her, not just because he's kind of a man of honor, but also because he's pretty starstruck by the fact that she said something to him directly. I think it's just, he's just a serious fucking dude because that is that character. Yeah. He's just, he just plays by the rules. His character at one point says, I'm really into quotes. So you are that type of guy. It's like, yeah. yeah. He's a quotaholic. That's where I'm like, hey, have you seen Kid Culprit around? (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) go when someone says, I'm into quotes. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Relitigate Kid Culprit. Uh, no, but just so such a short period of time. Wow, passes. when Griffin reigns David in, I know, right? That's that's it, we flipped. We I think we fully flipped. Yeah, David's off the leash these days. <laughs> yep. David's buck wild. I know because David's replying to my tweets now. I know, like crazy. You were his reply guy. Now he's your reply guy. No, I love it though. It makes me feel cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking rad. Sorry. Uh. Anyway, great transition. Door opens and she's halfway over the railing about to jump off the balcony of her hotel room, which is just like such a startling opening of I feel like very often when public figures have like uh, mental health crises, you know, or like Mm -hmm. suicide attempts or things like that. The the dialogue is always 
why are they so depressed? Look at them. They're rich. They're famous. They're right, successful. They, she has everything she wants. Like, well, what could right. the problem be? So the cold open is that in a microcosm, right? It's like you're seeing just success, success, success. She's center of the storm. Everyone's loving her. She's on the verge of a bigger breakthrough. And yet left unattended for 60 seconds, she's about to throw herself out a window. So the mother and a Parker rush to her. He comes. He grabs her arm. She says, you don't see me. He says, I see you with the passion of a thousand sons. It's a good Not moment. since Avatar. Not yeah, since it's, Avatar. It, well, it's kind of Titanic too, it? right? Like yeah. yes. you know, early, early meet cute when uh, one character is trying to commit suicide and the other character is nobly <laughs> trying to stop them. <laughs> deeply, deeply aided by the fact that they're both like good actors and really very, good. very, it doesn't feel cheap. Yes, and no. it's also, it's the thing Griffin said. The fact that they're not super famous actors, you're like, I just buy that these are these people. You know, like, you're you're, you're not having to sort of think, they're blank filter slates it through for you. any... You're yeah, not yeah, bringing yeah. in, yes, mm-hmm. right, your own baggage. And and I was reading Bilga's review from when this came out because he's always been such a good writer on Gina's movies. And he said this thing that I, Bill I think Ebery? is interesting. Yes. Bill Gabeery. Bill, wait, Bill Gabeery? Bill Gabeery? Bilga Ibiri. Yes. Okay. Sometimes my name looks like his name, and his name looks like my name. Oh. Maybe maybe I, the two of you should uh, swap bylines sometimes and see if anyone notices. <laughs> I don't think they would. <laughs> like just swap assignments yeah. and see. Where everybody goes, well, um, Bilga's kind of a worse writer. <laughs> <laughs> Iconography with Olivia and Bilga. I don't know. Might be fun. Mm, think about it. <laughs> Uh, but he said, like, you know, he looks her in the eye and says, I see you, but you have to question whether he really does. And it's not that this guy isn't, like, a very serious, focused man of integrity, but it's just the fact that, like, she's built, she's got so many layers of artifice on top of her right now that you have to question whether anyone could really see her, like, what he means when he says that. Mm-hmm. And I think what he's saying is just, I can see that there's someone underneath all of this. But who that person is is kind of imperceptible at this point, other than that he's just seeing the cry from for help from whoever's trapped inside of that. Mm. And just like the speed at which the media cycle, like within 45 minutes, they're giving public press conference in front of like local news crews trying to uh, spin the story to their advantage, yeah. which is she got drunk. She had heels on. She slipped. He's a hero. He saved her. It wasn't yeah, a suicide attempt. She slipped over a railing, over a yeah. whatever. Who just, hasn't yeah. had five glasses of champagne? I think she says. Right, with five inch heels on. Like she turns it into a quip. You know, it's like Kid Culprit says towards the middle of the movie you use the press, don't let the press use you. I love quotes. That's such a good quote. (laughs) Thank you. If I can be a little bit of a quote meister over here, when Minnie Driver at the end of the movie says, it's a game. It's all a game. Like, I feel like that's this movie's attitude on the, the fame machine is like, if you're trying to do this, every single thing you do is a move in a game. You can never make just sort of independent emotional decisions. Well, and Minnie Driver, who's great in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as her mom, Macy, uh, is also like, to her, fame is, you know, it, it, there's a lot of power to it, right? Like, you know, like if she is able to call the shots, that means that she is secure, right? Like that seems yeah. to be her general outlook on how to approach everything, which is incredibly aggressive and has turned Noni into a suicidal mess. Right. Well, she's just like under such immense 
pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same, and yet I am fairly sympathetic to basically every character in this movie, except maybe Kid Culprit. But you know, whatever. I'm sure Kid Culprit's going to figure it out. So th- there's like this immediate whirlwind. I mean, by the time Danny Glover's in like the parking lot talking to Nate Parker, he's like crazy hour, huh? Like it's like this is all moved so fast. Just, just, and, just D- Danny giving me gravel uh, is all I want. Just yeah. like, uh, uh, listen, Kiss, you're gonna have to give this. You know, just anytime he yeah. brings out Kiss, the gravel, hey, I love Kiss. that voice so much. Hey, <laughs> I can barely hear him. You know what this is? Yeah, I'm gonna down here. Hey. It's like so bad, like Baldwin. It's like barely even registering. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you understand me? Because I can't understand myself. But this um, thing of like, here's Nate Parker, and he just seems like this like upstanding cop dude. But then you find out he's got this like very sort of enterprising father who also views his son as being on a longer career track. Uh, that he has this sort of pipeline for his son to become a politician. That his father was previously the police commissioner. Is that right? I don't think he was the commissioner. He's like a captain. He's like some sort of, okay. you know, maybe he was like a, a, you know, figure in the union or something. He's like a, you know, whatever, a, a lifer in the LAPD. And his son wants to be a politician. And he has every gosh darn biography you could imagine in his house. I think it's that those thing quotes. where it's like he's... Like Loves a lifer and like important in the community, but like mostly is important amongst like the black elite. Mm. Hence that like dinner thing. Yeah, where he's meeting with like the pastors, the yeah. community leaders. He's got like right, neighborhood. Yes. He's he's like respected in he's respected in his community. But he um, just yeah. like doesn't take a moment. Like within an hour of this like incident with Nomi over the balcony. He's in the parking lot of the hotel saying, like, we got to strike while the iron's hot. Like, this is an opportunity to accelerate your pathway to public office. He's also called, uh, Nate Parker's character is called Kazam? Yes. Yes. Okay. They call him Kaz. And the reason why is because his parents were into African culture? They thought it was African. That's the explanation they give. Is that what was African? They, 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 they thought, thought it sounded, it African. sounded they African. They thought it sounded African. Is, is okay. what he says. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Well. But maybe, maybe Shaq is his biological father, right? Like, maybe that's why he's named Kazam. It's a little hat tip for mom. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Well, she doesn't know. If, she doesn't know if it's Shaq or Sinbad, so she. <laughs> she just Kazams she got it. very confused. Right. She got really confused. Yeah, about parenting. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Very um, yeah. Uh, so yes, so uh, you're right. He's basically like this happens, and they're like, "Well, like no better time." Apparently, some city councilman's getting indicted. They're like, "Time for you to just nudge right into that spot." Yeah, and you have uh, what's her name, Aisha Hines. Yep, uh, who plays like sort of his strategist. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like every time anything happens in the movie, she goes like, this is great, actually. We can switch from this angle to this angle. We thought we were positioning you as this, but now you're this. We can slot you in here instead of here. Like everything he does, he's very much someone operating from a very genuine place of what feels right moment to moment. But he's everyone corny. around him is constantly telling him, he's oh, he's a corny ass dude. He's a yeah, corny guy. It, Let's be honest. He's a very corny person. Yes, yes, yes. Like he became a cop because he wants to like serve the neighborhood. He's like He basic. wants to be a politician. He's like truly basic. Right. He's like a James Comey, like, I believe I can learn how to be fundamentally correct in every situation. 
And then when somebody is like, do you want to turn this into a this book into into a TV show? He's like, okay, I like quotes. So as long as my quotes are in there. He, does, <laughs> he loves quotes. He loves um, but quotes. like it, it makes, it should be, it shouldn't totally work. And I, I do, I, you know, whatever. I'm a little more invested in the, in the Noni side of the movie, but like his totally. basicness is crucial to his appeal, right? Like he's just, just absolutely refuses to be like interesting in the ways that would bother her, I guess. Like, you know, it, like kid culprit is his, like kid culprit is just all bits and all yeah. like nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he's just like extremely no nonsense. I, I do think that's like the challenge for actors with uh, Prince Bythewood movies is that she's like an incredibly earnest filmmaker, you know, like she's she's, earnest. Yes. this is a very earnest she's, movie. She's cutting, but she's not, she doesn't have like a sarcastic bone in her body, at least in her filmmaking. And, and Bilga's review, he talks about how it's just like, geez, I forgot this was a genre. Like I forgot these types of movies exist. It's actually just an adult romantic drama and so often that's being cut with something else or it's for teenagers or it's nicholas sparks which moves into melodrama or whatever it is and it like it takes a lot of confidence as an actor to be able to play these scenes Mm -hmm. incredibly straight where you're not like underselling it with jokes because you're worried the audience will laugh yeah well the more and it is like sorry go no what are you gonna say No, i just think like that commitment is what helps make it better and like feel more grounded like when i don't know that vulnerability is like clearly there it it just like totally it, it adds it only adds and doesn't subtract and it's hard i just am that now that thing is like reverberating in my head of uh allison brie and the brother whoop i'm canceled elevated david elevated romantic yes. oh, yes. and it's uh, like to, to dave frank dave frank david <laughs> david frank yeah. hosh um, but wow. yeah, you know, we, we're not close, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's not, not there. <laughs> and, and like have the courage of your convictions to just be like, we're making a romantic comedy. Like yeah. anytime I hear someone say this is elevated horror, this is elevated romantic comedy or anything like that. It sounds like you're embarrassed of the genre yes. you've chosen to yes. work in, which makes me think you're going to be like cushioning it with those layers of like ironic detachment yes. or like meta commentary. Well, it's like Jordan Peele. It's like get out or it's like, no, this wasn't elevated. This is the genre that I like and work in. And there's examples right. of it. And maybe, you know, there's like a version or versions where it's, it's, it feels cheaper or mass produced or not as engaging, but it's, that's not because yeah. of the genre. That's not a problem with the genre. That's a problem with things outside right. of it. Right. I feel like he was very consistent with that in marketing the movie where like before it came out and people were like, so it's kind of a horror comedy because of his background. He was like, no, it's a horror Mm -hmm. movie. Hopefully some of it is funny. Mm -hmm. I think comedy is essential to horror movies, but it is not a horror comedy. And then after it came out and it blew up and people were like, oh, so it's like elevated horror. He's like, no, it's a horror movie. (laughs) I'm glad you like it. It's a horror movie. Like he just kept underlining. Don't belittle the genre that I love and chose to work in. Mm. Uh, And and I feel like Gina's like, you know, she she makes these very classical old Hollywood movies that are like full of adult emotions and like internal drama and things like that. And she demands of her actors like a real confidence and commitment to that. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the thing that like we've sort of been talking around that we should acknowledge quickly, which is 
I hadn't watched this movie since the complete Nate Parker implosion. And because this character is so earnest and is so based around being like the world's most stoic, decent man, Mm -hmm. I was very worried about whether or not it was going to bump. And I didn't find in my watching that it did. And I feel like a lot of movies we've covered that have like now problematic leads, I feel like it often breaks down into whether those people are primarily actors or movie stars and whether or not you still have the ability Mm. to like view them a little objectively. Mm -hmm. Because like, for example, when we have had to watch Mel Gibson movies for this show, you now just see the latent mania in every single performance. You know, Uh, like, yeah, well, I mean, that was part of his appeal in a weird way. It was people thought of it differently. Right. Right. The stuff that was bubbling, bubbling under the surface was always there. And Even now in it's like sort Tom of like Cruise unignorable. watches where he's not obviously like that canceled as far as we know or whatever. But where it's like, OK, now we mm. openly know he's a little he's a little right. off. Um, he's got he's made some choices. Um, right. And it's like, oh, he has made some choices. That's what I'm watching. I'm watching the mind right. of a man. who, <laughs> Or like watching Kevin Spacey performances where you're like, oh, I guess he toned it down to play this serial yeah. killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those kinds of things. David doesn't like that I said that. He, he gave me a look that was like, let me consult my inner uh, understanding of libel laws. True, um, true. But, but, but I do think that Nate Parker is very much giving like an actor performance in this. It is not relying on some inherent movie star persona, which means that like, you know, for better or worse, I feel like I'm able to watch this. And uh, like what you said, in a blank slate kind of way, just really engage with this character. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to invalidate the performance of Gugu and mm. Bathara. I don't want to invalidate, like, how totally. good this movie is also. Like, I, I yes. want to, like, hold those things true. It's, yeah, it's 100%. tricky. I mean, it, it is also just, like, that goes to that larger conversation to me of, se- sorry, separating Separating the fart yeah. and the farter. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I, I'm with you. I, you got to separate the fart and the farter. From the fartest. You got to. Yeah. And I also think um, there's a difference sometimes between like people who say you got to separate the artist from the art and the art is about the yes. thing that makes the artist. Correct. Sure. Yeah. Problematic. Yes. Or the versus, artist is still like very clearly like, um, be having a career. <laughs> right. 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 Um, but yeah, so the movie very quickly goes to, uh, there's the scene that's sort of in that like uh, conference room of the hotel after they do the little press conference where she's sort of sizing him up. Mm-hmm. The, how are you going to spend your 15? Yes. And he's right, like, what? Right. And she's like, you got 15 minutes of fame. I mean, the hero cop angle, you're going to get laid like crazy. And he doesn't even understand what she's saying to him. The mm-hmm. idea of being that calculated about it, even though he already has a team who are trying to weaponize it for a political career. But I think that's when she starts to like recognize, oh, this seems to be one of the first people I've interacted with in a long time who isn't trying to use me in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. I think he's also sort of helping with showing how absurd it is that no one else is worried about her. Yes, right. He has that, like, he brings it up several times where he's like, 
what, you just want me to read this statement and say that she tripped? And it's like, yeah, she's got an album to worry about. And he's like, 45 minutes ago, she was on the edge of a balcony. Don't you think we should make sure she's okay? But no one else is putting any mind into that. Everyone else is just like, how do we clean up this mess? But yes, they, you're, you're right that that's like, he's, the, he's everyone's just like, anyway, and he's like, why are you all behaving? Right. Like, she didn't just try and throw herself off a fucking building. Like, this is insane. And... She is impressed by that, I guess. I guess that's the initial connection, apart from that he saw her. She's also kind of insincere immediately. She switches back into this kind of sarcastic mode, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is her force field, right? Like, she's sort of already making fun of the ICU thing, like, kind of quickly. Mm -hmm. And, like, he just is not defensive about anything. Like, that's what's sort of appealing about his character. He's just like, okay, well, that all right. I guess he didn't like that. Like, you know, like, I don't know. He just, he's into quotes. Yeah, he, he's he a, just, he's he doesn't man. give he a shit quotes. about her whole thing. He's a quote. The man yeah. loves quotes. I will say, I wonder, Um, you know, this is kind of like skipping ahead and around or whatever, but, yeah, but, it. you know, it's like, he's kind of like the only black person in her inner circle as well. Aside, I mean, yes. she performs at the BET Awards and there's like black execs at meetings and whatever or helping her, but in her actual like inner circle who she, uh, you know, like who kind of affects her journey otherwise, like he is like one of the f- first black people and I think that there is something important about that um, in terms of, I don't know, just the emotionality of the film and thinking about later when she decides to take off the wig and like actually wear her hair naturally. Well, that's that's such a huge moment. That's the best moment. It's, no, it's the in best the movie, moment. I think. Yeah. Yes. When she says to Minnie Driver, like, you you got me a new nose, you got me all this Indian hair. Like this idea of having one real solid person in her life. Mm-hmm. Like her mother's the one person she's had the entire right. time who has never totally understood her cultural identity. Right. And has, in fact, been trying to sort of repackage it yeah. in a different way. Yeah. I'm just getting frustrated again thinking of the hallmark of a movie star, which is having a line in a movie saying that you got a nose job when that's your actual real beautiful nose. A la Ooh. Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. Your nose is so good that it's a yeah. believable nose job nose. That somebody in a movie can write the line, you got me a new nose. And everybody goes, yeah, right. why not? <laughs> wow, that's a good one. She should be I a movie star. She should be a movie star. She should be a movie star. You have yeah. that first uh, record executive scene where I, I feel like it's only white executives in that early yes. scene. I mean, there's mm-hmm. the guy, yeah, what's the, his name? The, Neil, the shitbag. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, in the later scene, there's whatever, the, the head of the label who is yes. black, but, but in the first scene, artist. he's not yeah. there. Yes. Yeah. Right. So she's and stuck, walking like, all over them, negotiating basically. with the white lower level executives mm-hmm. uh, who Mini Driver is very competitive with. And there's that line I wrote down where they say in front of Nomi's face, look, the problem is like she's supposed to be the dream girl. She's supposed to be the woman that every guy wants to be with and every girl wants to be. And suicide isn't sexy. Yeah. And it's such a good like encapsulation of the this sort of like um the this uh, sociopathy of uh, the entertainment industry mm-hmm. where you just have to accept people talking to your face mm-hmm. about you as if you're a product mm-hmm. like disconnected from your identity as a human being with thoughts and feelings 
Right. They're talking about your public identity, not like right. whatever you are as a person. They don't care about that. No. It's just like, well, right. now suicide isn't this sexy. Is your thing. Yeah. Right. And that's a problem. Yeah. It's just such a brutal line and they cut to Gugu and she just kind of like sits there and it's just like another thing she's had to hear in her 15 years of these types of meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a little more personal in terms of like a specific incident they're talking about, but you can tell it's just like, this is the stuff that's like weighing down on her. Yeah. So then I think she follows, she goes back to see, or no, Nate Parker goes back to see her the next night, tries yes. to get in camp. He tries to get in, uh, has to wait outside, but that's when essentially their romantic getaway right. hour of the movie starts, right? Where they basically yeah. just like escape from it all, hit the road and do their own thing. Yeah. Eat takeout in a car, hey. watch airplanes she going has over a, She has a milkshake. Yeah. She has a milkshake. Right. She has all the, because there's that, that scene where, where a uh, mini driver picks up a hotel napkin to take her hash browns off her plate when she, in the hotel. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, right. So yeah, she gets to eat junk food. They look at the planes. I don't know. What do they talk about? Quotations some more, well, maybe. He yeah. introduces the idea of being afraid of flying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. We Yes, I understand. Yes, Kaz This is his regular spot where he goes to watch the planes go overhead because he's too afraid to get on one of them himself. He is more afraid than I am because he has never been on a plane out of fear. Like, I at least, I will, you know, if I have to, I'll suck it up and I'll get on a plane. Like, I hate it, but I'll do it. But he hasn't even tried that out yet. He's still too scared to get on a plane. I'm trying to decide whether or not to ask you the very personal question that you can What's probably predict I want to ask you. What if the, I the well, no. scene? No, I'm Go not ahead. asking. I'm not asking if you're a member. I'm asking <laughs> the scene in this film in which they make love on a private jet as mm. someone with plane anxiety. Mm. Do you think that would make you more anxious or more relaxed? Mm-hmm. In the least graphic way, I'm asking in the abstract. Griffin, the more you yell, the less chill it feels. Yes, uh, I will say I am being I, very chill. A YouTube, Griffin. Griffin, let me I'm answer. I'm being so Griffin. chill. I re- I sometimes watch a YouTube account of some guy who of like takes the fanciest. Plane? No. Yeah, he watches it. Who takes off this guy's a like, freak? I'm telling you. <laughs> he takes like the fanciest planes that you know right he's like i'm going on an a380 and i'm like you know right i'm going in like ultra first class like top gear but planes yeah i mean it's boring but i just want to see what it looks like on the plane and like one of the planes he it was etihad airways and like Mm -hmm. you're you have like a a a chair like a, a sort of like double chair that you can watch a movie in and then you can go into your other room where there's a double bed like okay. that's that's the level. It's like a twenty thousand dollar ticket or whatever. I could have sex in that thing. There's no way I would feel comfortable wow, and you know gross. just like go to a bathroom. Gross. Like, those things are so Mr. small. Capitalism. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> Only thing gets him hard is money. It would have. It's just that there's a bed. You got a little space. That's all. Otherwise, yeah, I would that just be stressed made out. Of stacks of bills. <laughs> that doesn't sound comfortable. It's made out of no, you doesn't. know. Feathers or whatever. Sure. If you really cared about anyway. the people, you would fuck in coach class in public <laughs> in the middle of the plane. If you really cared about the people, you would drill a hole on the top of the plane and have sex on it. 
Yeah, David. I've, I've, in the I've hole, completely kind lost of. this. You're halfway in the hole. And halfway <laughs> okay. in the plane. Okay. But everybody can still see you. Yes. More, what is more this? Of this bit. What do they call the train equivalent? Oh, like instead of the Mile High Club, it's like the, you know, a rail. I don't know. Well, I remember that. Why oh, did ben. you just volunteer right, that? <laughs> yeah. Smiling. Ben, come on. Train club. Nobody. There's no oh, it's club. Just the train club. There's no club. <laughs> you and Thomas. <laughs> Why are you singing like it's a club? It's just you. I feel like there's other train heads out Don't there. Don't say train heads. That's not yeah. right. <laughs> That's wrong. Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know not. what it is, but um, it's wrong. We gotta go back wherever. We, we gotta, gotta go back yes. to the movie. So and, we yes, start getting into montage territory. Right. Right. They go back to her place and she comes on to him and he leaves after one smooch. Yes. Because he's like, you got to figure out this kid culprit thing. Right. Which she then does right away. Like she's like, you you know, yeah, you're right. No, 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 no. They start being together a little bit because they have like the one mini fight about the kid culprit thing where she brings it up to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, she, She brings it up. What does she bring up? She brings it up independently. Like, look, I have to tell you, there's like this thing with Kid Culprit. The, that isn't the then okay. Put right. it together. Yeah, it's yeah. two separate scenes. Because then we get into a little montage stuff of him accompanying her. Danny Glover's like, look, you got to be conscious of your narrative. Do you want to bring this in? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all a game. What's your move here? What does he say? Like, don't don't get too into your Wheaties. Yeah. Um, and uh, But you see him starting to accompany her to stuff, get written up about... She comes outside his precinct one day while he's like uh, bringing in that uh, uh, domestic violence guy. And immediately it's like she's turning it into a PR event. I do like that at this period of the movie, you still have to like kind of question her Her, actions and all these scenes. Yeah, because it's Mm -hmm. like she's so programmed to look for press opportunities that even like when he brings up to her, I had the National Enquirer and all these different papers offer me this much money for an exclusive. She starts to get defensive and angry at yep. him. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't do I that. I'm just telling you money, essentially, it's out is, there. Right. Yeah. And then she immediately shifts to, I can tell you're the type of person who wouldn't do that. And then starts kissing him. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you go like, is she actually, I believe she's attracted to yeah. him. But how much of her choosing to kiss him at this exact moment is her trying to make sure well, it's he's hard. on her side? It's, it's hard to like totally root for it, which I think also works in favor of like the arc of their romance. But it is hard to root for it because you, for me also, I'm just like, oh, there is so much brokenness mm-hmm. to her. That you that you know that it's going to be a, a romantic obstacle for sure. Yeah, because she's just so damaged by right the, this industry, the industry and the cycle of affection that she's been taught she's worthy of. Yeah, it's like she's still chasing the look of her mother approving in the audience that she didn't get at that first talent show. How does she put it to Kid Culprit? It's like we, I can't remember the euphemism she uses now. I'm for, and I want to find it. Like, you know, where she describes their, uh, the extent of their romantic life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like we kick, it's not kick it though, but it's something kind of cute. Right. We texted, we hit it and we texted about hitting it. That's how she puts it. Yeah. That's, that's the extent of intimacy for her. And it's also implied that it was like, 
very much a fake press thing that then was consummated but didn't really yes. turn into anything uh-huh. serious. But no. because they were still being positioned as are they or aren't they, they kind of couldn't totally break it off. Um, but so many good details as you're getting into all this stuff and like uh, Nate Parker studying, starting to accompany her in all these aspects of her life. Like the little details like her being lubed into those stockings, the weirdness yeah. of like her just on her phone checking tweets about people making jokes about her suicide attempt while like one woman just jiggles both of her boobs and another woman is like greasing vinyl onto her legs. The idea of all that stuff just becoming like weird commonplace while you're just being completely like handled. And then that scene where she's doing the photo shoot and the guy very casually tells her to take the jacket off and she gives the look to Minnie Driver and Minnie Driver doesn't even nod, but just kind of like stares her down and she takes the jacket off. And now it's a topless photo shoot and Nate Parker turns around because he doesn't think it's gentlemanly to look. Um, And a little detail I love that I like just point out is one of the scenes where they're like where he's showing she's showing him her lyrics for the first time, her notebooks. and he's Which is essentially how, like, quotes, almost. <laughs> yes. Or quote, like... Almost. That's why he loves them. They're musical quotes. Um, but they're sitting on the floor of her bedroom and they're just a line of suitcases alongside the wall. And it's such a good detail of just like, oh, right, she's just like constantly probably traveling everywhere, even in her own home. She is perpetually in a state of not having unpacked from the most recent trip or already packed for the next trip, you know? Mm-hmm. There were like those little things, even when they're just visual, that just are like, man, Gina's like done the work and actually considered what it's like to be someone on this kind of hamster wheel. It just all looks real. Like none of it looks like a bad Photoshop, a bad parody. Like everything she does feels like a legitimate pop career. Um, But then I guess you have the... I'm trying to think what the big blow up is. She loses the record contract, but that's because of the big award show performance. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when she tries to break it off with Kid Colbert. Yes. Right. Where where he's sort of like, you know, shoving her around on stage, pushing her into his crotch, right. like things. Like, and she like she, you know, pushes right. back because she goes to visit him on set. He's uh, of a music video. sees him in his trailer. He's very like, totally. I get it. It's fine. Uh, have fun with Hero Cop. Um, and then at the award show, first the backup dancers try to take her jacket off and what feels like it's supposed to be like a Janet Jackson move. And she strongly holds it back. Mini Driver's looking on a frustration, but she's like trying to win back her autonomy, uh, not get pressure into doing things she doesn't want to do. Nate Parker's looking on an approval. And then uh, Kid Culprit just becomes a fucking monster on stage, feels the need to... Uh, protect what he thinks as his sense of public masculinity by not making it look like he was uh, uh, dropped for the hero. Spurned. Right. Yes. Uh, Now, there's a director's cut on the Blu-ray that is a difference of 15 seconds long. And much like Love and Basketball, it sounds like it was literally a matter of 15 seconds between this movie being PG-13 and R. Mm. I watched the director's cut this time. I could not identify the differences But looking up interviews with her, it sounds like it is that scene just going a little bit further, the plane scene going a little further. It's a similar thing where, like, Mm. Love and Basketball was apparently this close to being R without it having nudity, without it being incredibly graphic. But she just likes to push for a level of detail in these things Mm. that tends to make uh, the MPAA skittish. Um, So she said that was, like, the big 
fighting point for them was that scene that she wanted that scene to be genuinely upsetting and they had to go through several rounds of cutting to still make it pass as PG-13. That being said, the R version I watched, not a huge difference in my eyes. Um, no, 15 but seconds. So after that, or... right. Nate Parker comes on stage. He punches Kid Culprit out. And once again, like the narrative is out of their control. And the record label flips and they're like, we're dropping the album. We can't sustain this. You're done. Yeah, that's when they go on their big romantic getaway. They go to, uh, you know. Parker takes her away. He recognizes that she just needs to fucking get out of this, like, biodome. She she gets her hair. She cuts her, you know, um, her weave off and she sings Carrie. I mean, this is the best part of the movie, right? Am I crazy? Like, this is this is the most arresting part of the whole movie. And also, as someone who, like, knew so little going into the movie, this is where I start to get really excited about, like, oh, this is where it's going. Like, this movie is going to be about not just some bodyguard-esque romance, but about the process of this woman stripping away everything that has been built on top of her towards a pop career. I remember a theater gasping when she cuts her hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, that, that actually got an audible reaction from our theater. Yeah, and it's like, it, you know, obviously a thing that speaks to my white guy ignorance but in that moment when she goes to the mirror and she's starting to look at her hair up close and then gets out like the knife, it was the first time I recognized like, oh, of course, that isn't her real hair. I just didn't even consider it until that point. Wow. Talk about colorblind. <laughs> Get it? I know. It's I know. I know. I know. Purple. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it was um, like it was it was part of the gas for me is just like, oh, right. I'm in a position where I just wasn't even thinking about that. But it is such as a powerful visual. I can't like I can't laugh. It's it's like that's how funny it is to me. I can't laugh. It's like, oh, oh, decades of black women being like, don't ask about our hair. And you doing it to the point where you're like, yeah, if a black woman wants to grow purple, straight hair. <laughs> Out of her head? Yeah, I believe her. I've, yeah, I, I went too her. far in the opposite it's direction. Yeah. He just just total right. ignorance on Griffin's fucking. So if just, a woman shows I you her hair, believe her. Right, that's just something that yeah. happens. Well, that to Griffin is the strength and resilience of black women. That if they make up in their mind yes. that they want to grow purple straight hair <laughs> out can of their do heads, that. they can do that. I, I, I think black women can do anything. I want to make that very well, clear. Well, that's sort of the problem, right? That's a little bit too far. This uh, absolutely. A huge it's issue. It's a huge issue with me. And, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I can grow purple straight uh, hair out of my head. I just don't want to. I want to make that very I believe clear. That. I believe I that. I know you do. I fundamentally believe <laughs> you that. should. I don't question that for a second. Iowa, what do you think of this whole sojourn? You know, come on. The karaoke, all this stuff. I love the stupid trip. I just love the dumb yeah. little stupid trip because it like you can just see like the relief on her. The beach scene is like so perfect. The sweet little bartering beach for scene. the merit badge. Where'd they get that dog? Right. I'm so happy they got that dog yeah. on the beach with them. That little dog running around on the beach with them. How'd they get that dog on the beach? It it's also- a private plane. <laughs> <laughs> Like, especially in lockdown, does anything seem more appetizing than someone just being like, I packed your bag. Come with me. We're going on vacation. We're going to the beach. We're simply going. We're getting away from everything. Yeah. It's just so, it's so great. And it's like, I, the cutting of the hair is like fantastic and like so well done. 
And the only, you know, that's the kind of detail that, you know, most people working in Hollywood would not even think to bring into the movie. Yeah. Right? Like that is you something can say I'm it. sure. Say it, David, that I would not think to bring into <laughs> the movie. If Griffin, yeah, Griffin had written and directed Beyond the Lights, he probably, right, he would, he would instead have a scene where she explains that she grew her hair, purple hair naturally. <laughs> yes. And yes. she's it crying. Would have been a long scene. <laughs> and she's sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. <laughs> right. I and don't know where chiefs. these powers come from. <laughs> All the studio chiefs to be like, yeah, that's a great scene. That makes sense. They would all be green lighting it. To black women. Absolutely. Um, um, I think also yeah. just, yeah, also the karaoke is like adorable because they look like stupid tourists and I love. And he's yes. bad at it. Yes. Like in a cute way. I love her like actually being in disguise. I think about the trope a lot of like black people. Like if a black woman had to do like an alias there, uh, uh, there's like a there's a sketch that I truly love that's in an SNL packet of of your um, that is like if a black person had to do an alias and like nobody believing them um, because if I just you put mean on the blonde, alias like if I just like if I was alias. a spy yeah oh sorry me saying it like a verb right, sure, that doesn't right. really I guess mm, sure um, but if I just like had to put on a red wig like everybody would know it was me just with a red wig on like I wouldn't be like a completely different I wouldn't. person. I would. I would believe that you had done. I know that it you would. It's not a you thing. You it's not a you thing, Griffin. I know that you. I'm would just do saying it. maybe. Yeah. Maybe they should be a new pass of that script in which I come in as a very strong ally who believes in anything. <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> and even if I did, I wouldn't say who you are. I wouldn't identify yeah. you. And that's how I feel. Bye now. Happy vacation. I mean. <laughs> yeah, just write me into a quick five pages of yeah. that sketch. But her going on with like out in the street and just out and about with like her little pups is like so yes. stinking cute. And then the karaoke scene like echoing the beginning where it's just like, you are gifted. You are talented. When you yes. strip everything down basics. and you are just the artist who you're allowed to be, you are so good at this thing. Why are you doing this in the first place? You love singing. And there's literally the echo. At one point in the song, when she's singing Blackbird acapella, they drop in an echo of the child actress singing Blackbird from the opening. Mm-hmm. It's one of the rare movies where someone goes viral because, you know, they were like filmed candidly. Right. You know, you know, where that makes sense and fits very nicely into the plot. You know, usually it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm sorry. Retired bit. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Um, But yes, because when she comes back from this vacation, she is now famous again. Like the narrative has shifted again. And now it's like she's authentic. We love it. We love how authentic she is. But once again, another thing where you go like, I believe that people who did not know who she was would still record this performance because it was this good. And I believe if it went online, people would identify her and it would genuinely go viral. Yes. Like both sides of it make sense. You have that small moment when the couple comes up to her and asks her for the photo and she like tenses up and agrees and then realizes they want her to hold the camera. Right, right, right. That's really nice. Really subtle. That's a I yeah. just like, I like that when this happens, like, it's not like in an easy movie, then it's like, okay, well now, now that she's proven herself in this new way, she gets to do whatever she wants. 
And mm-hmm. it's sort of like this sort of like side version of that where Mini Driver is like, great. Now that she had this authentic moment, I get to use that as leverage to get what we, right. what I want, what I think right. we need. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's so you know, heartbreaking. Yeah. Right. Bilga in his review said like the, I, I keep on quoting Bilga, but his review is really good for this movie. But like that, that Mini Driver is just playing such a raw nerve that it's scary because you don't understand what she's going to react to and how. Right. And that scene, you just get like totally like hook, line and sinker sold on the idea that now she has taken this as a learning moment. She lost her daughter. She's getting her back. She's going to fight for what her daughter wants. And then the reveal of like, no, she's just being really petty. She hates this guy, Neil. Yep. She feels like she he big dogged her in a meeting. And now she right. just wants him to get fired for yep. her own I mean, ego. But they, they, they have that conversation when, when Minnie Driver like comes to get her that feels very yeah. authentic, right? That where, where she's talking about being a mom and like her family disowning it, right? You know, like, and then... Yeah. But then the the second scene, this the argument that they have where she's like, well, I just, you know, I wanted to get rid of Neil. Like, right. she feels authentic there, too. Yeah. It's just a different kind of whatever, you know, like that. That's that's another side of her personality that has, as we know, have it's always been there. Gina Prince, by the way, I think doing that cool thing of like taking what is like a stereotype and like laying these very human real things and allowing yes. their relationship and the. Things in the history and the complicated entanglements and like entwinements that they have because of just these years of like mutual damage in their relationships, allowing it to play in a moment that feels really real and not cheap and not like total right. stereotypical like sociopathy or whatever. Have you watched uh, Old Guard yet? I have watched Old Guard. I love Old Guard, and I feel like everything you just said applies to that movie as well. Because as you said, it's like classic Gina. It, it's, it speaks to her whole canon, but that same thing of like, on its face, haven't I seen this movie 20 times before? And it's like, no, the right. investment in the history between these characters and finding ways to very quietly mm-hmm. indicate the history mm-hmm. without explaining or over-explaining right. is like her whole mastery. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, to lay out the crux of the argument is... Uh, the album that they previously were going to shelve, which has been printed, and now they're back on to wanting to release because she's gone viral. Uh, Nomi wants to pull it so that they can add new tracks. She wants to do a Blackbird cover. She wants to do her original songs. And it's this argument over whether or not they can incur the cost of that, which Mini Driver has the upper hand because shitty Neil had erroneously sent her a fax saying the contract was terminated. But uh, you get back to that scene with the two of them in the kitchen where it feels like they're both sort of stripped down to how they were when she was very young before they got in the career path. They're talking about Minnie Driver making mom's famous blank, how every food that she would make for her as a child, she would call mom's famous. And it's like this very sweet, tender scene where you're seeing this very different dynamic from her. And you really feel like, oh, that's done. They've solved their relationship she solved her career, how to be like a genuine sort of honest artist. Everything's good now. And then Minnie Driver just like flips over her hand and is like, no, I mean, we can't swallow the cost. The album's yeah, there. She's like, we we'll do that later. Tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. Yeah. You'll be honest later. <laughs> I just want to fuck with Neil. <laughs> it's it's so, so good. But I respect it. I, I, I get I get Minnie Driver, even though I don't like her in that moment. Everyone has their what, reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's wild to fire your mom, though. Yes. Yeah. It is so I know. wild. That does feel like a fun thing as a celeb, though, right? Like if you were like a kid celeb. 
uh, like the, the the day when it comes where you're like, hey, uh, guess what? I'm actually I allowed to fire you. But that thing, I feel like you see that with a lot of stage parents where Minnie Driver is like, uh, I'm the career here. You're just the person who sings. Mm-hmm. Like yes. because she's been like seeing big picture from the time that she was a child. Right. She thinks that like she's the star of the enterprise. I watched the um uh documentary uh Showbiz Kids, I think is the name oh, of it. Oh, the Alex Winter and, thing. Um, yeah. One of the things that was really interesting, there were a few people who were who just were like, you feel this weird sort of indebtedness to your parents and you're both an adult and a child in it. Like you're both like the boss and completely infantilized because you, you, you're your parents boss, but also they're your manager. And then you have to constantly have in the back of your mind that they sacrificed a lot for you to be where you are. Like they sacrificed a ton. And obviously I, know what that's like um, because of my tenure on home improvement. Um, of course. Where I yeah. was one of the sons on home improvement. Um, you played Zachary Ty Bryant on home improvement. Yes. Yeah. And I think I yeah. did a really good job. Um, Excellent. You disappeared into the role. Yeah. You know, well, I'm uh, my method. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's tricky. It's weird. There, there's a Jason Bateman's inside the actor's studio. Like, and I feel like Jason Bateman is like very like, I'm in control. I know exactly what I'm saying all the time. It's like the one time he gets a little touchy mm. when James Lipton asks him about, because I think that was a case where like for both of the Batemans, their parents gave up their jobs and became like acting coaches. So scary. And for both of them, it came out in the press that like they were taking a cut of the salaries that their children earn to pay themselves as acting coaches Jesus for their children. Lord. And Lipton asked Bateman about that. I think like assuming it would be like a Macaulay Culkin type thing yeah. where he'd be like, well, I had a bad relationship with my father and I've worked to mend it since. And Bateman's very weird about it where he's like, well, it's like a weird situation because like, I mean, sort of what you're saying, Io, but he was like, you know, like my parents didn't have a job. Like we started making money as kids and they had to give up everything in their lives and uproot it Mm -hmm. to build everything around us being successful, which we were the ones making the money, which is a weird dynamic. Mm -hmm. But also he wasn't doing anything else other than following me everywhere. So he needs to get paid somehow for something. And then he sort of like goes like, let's talk about dodgeball. Mm. Right. Right. But right. I, I do think that's why the mini driver character is still somewhat sympathetic. I mean, A, she's not written as being a villain, but B, I think you get the sense that the movie has in mind all of those dynamics in the big picture, even if it's not stated that directly. I mean, she says all the stuff about like, it was just the two of us against the world. We were in this together. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out something. You understand that it's not coming from a place of being uh, some monstrous Jealous villain. Jealous necessarily or... Yeah, totally. Right. Parasitic or destructive um, or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So then then after it all gets figured out, I don't know, like we cut to her at a festival months later. Like, Well, yes. No, that's liberated. at the beginning of that scene before she fires Minnie Driver. She tells her, we got this offer to do this festival. They want you to end with Blackbird. Like the big mm-hmm. exciting news of you get to, they're specifically asking you to do what you want to do. Um, so yeah, then it pretty much cuts straight to that. 
where she's going to do her first kind of like honest end of Josie and the Pussycats. If you like what you hear, that's great. If not, that's okay too. Um, so I'm just casually quoting the most important moment in the history of American cinema. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nate Parker shows up backstage. There was the scene where she goes to see him uh, at his home. Yeah. And he, you know, she said like, it was a pretty great moment we had. And he said, like, yeah, it was pretty perfect, right? And he says, it was based on a lie. It could never be perfect if it was based on a lie. Which is pretty cutting. But then he shows up backstage at this concert and he says, I love you. In a very casual way as she's going up the stairs. Not like it's some big end of movie proclamation. He just goes, I love you and I'm not going to take it back this time. Unlike the time he accidentally said it prematurely while fucking her on a plane. Whoops. We've all done it. Happens to the best of us except Ben who that happens to on a train. Yes, it's it a train situation for Ben. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yes. Absolutely. The train club. Oh boy. Um, and that's like that's a moment where I genuinely uh, swooned in theaters. Um, and then she goes on stage and she sings her truth, her original song, uh, which is pretty good. I do think, okay. like, for all the other factors we're talking about, uh, why this movie didn't connect at the time, and seeing it now in a post. Uh, Star is Born uh, reality uh-huh. yes. and yes. I love this movie uh, infinitely too. more than Star is Born yes. I don't know I about did, that I did watching it this time go man what if this final song was even like one tenth of a shallows yeah I, I, the, the, the music is the one place this movie falls a little short for me the which most fine. of it's not supposed to be very good well it's like it's okay so I know that the, I was forgetting names in, when I was like naming mm-hmm. collaborators earlier, and one is the Dream produced a lot of the yes. songs. I think yes. the songs that are like digestible pop songs, which also which is like that's what the Dream does really well. Yes, are really are good. all good. And then I think I the other things that maybe the Dream doesn't do as well, and maybe his solo work can attest to that. Sorry if there are any. The dream fans uh, are who listen to this pod, but mm-hmm. I think that also attests to like maybe the quality being not. I think as so. Good. It's yes, I I agree with your assessment outright. Blackbird's obviously a good song when she's covering sure. Blackbird. That works. Uh, when it's supposed to be her commercial pop stuff, that stuff works. I think the song at the end of the movie just works enough. But it's you fine, wish but I wish it was it transcended. Ruled. Yes. Right. That's the thing. Yes. You want you want the shallows octave change moment, which you don't get. And the finale works because Gugu's selling it. Uh, and the movie's built up to it properly. But it is the one thing now looking at it where I'm like, if this movie had an undeniable song at the end, it might have been enough to get more people to see it. I think it is like horror also where it's like oh, you were very clearly tied to like, here's the script, here's what we have. It's like, we love the ideas of like Blackbird and Flight and like, if it was- You have to invoke these 12 words. Mm -hmm. And if it was just like, you could just make a banger. Right. That might've been a bit of an easier- Yes. Challenge, maybe? Once again, the song is just good enough for the movie to work. Yeah. You're getting all the themes. But you wish it was a banger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you wish it were a banger. The, the Oscar nomination this movie got was for the song that Rita Ora sings. Yeah, the, the credits song, Grateful, right. uh, which was written right. by Diane Warren and is pretty yeah. good. I don't know. And and then Rita Ora started claiming that she was an Academy Award nominee 
Mm. And Diane Warren was like, mm. uh, no, check the document. Yeah, I feel bad for Rita Ora because she's really annoying. I don't think it's her fault. No. Um, I can say who that. won that? Who won best? This was uh, uh, Selma. I did. Oh, glory. That's when Chris this Pine cried. Io won best song. She shared it with Common, John Legend. I won best song for a short that I was in uh, with a few members of my UCB 201 class. We all got yes. along. Of course, of course. And uh, I forgot about that. Surprise win. One of them wrote a short and I was in it. And yeah. uh, we won for that. Yeah. yeah. And a very uh, deserved yeah. win. A huge win. I'm Congratulations. A good, I'm a good singer and uh, music is my... Uh, by medium, essentially. Of course. This is fodder right. for right. my Like trains career. or Ben's medium. Okay. And so right. we all have our medium. Yeah, and if the question have was, trains. have you fucked in music? Have you fucked in a song? Yeah. Have you ever left yes. into a song and had sex? I would say, yeah, absolutely, twice. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> all right, okay. Box okay. office game? I'm demanding yeah. that yeah, we play the box office game for November 14th, 2014. This movie, unfortunately, opened number four. It opened mm. on 1,700 screens, which was a weird sort of like, you know, half wide opening. Like, Relativity is, was the studio. They didn't say, handle it right. very well. In terms of this movie not getting a good release, this was Relativity, who had been producing films for other studios. They're like 18-month run of, we're a distribution company. We release films on our own. Yeah. Almost all of them bombed uh, horribly. Yeah. And then uh, within a year of this movie coming out, uh, Ryan Cavanaugh was uh, engulfed in like 20 lawsuits and yes. everything had collapsed. Uh, but it started open to six million. But number one, Griffin and Io and Ben. What was the final a, total? Did it make 20 or did it end up making? Oh, I don't think so. Let's see. Uh, it made 15? 14. 14 oh, domestic. Boy. A couple black hats. Um, I think two black hats. Maybe. Yeah. Number one is a. La, a, a, a long-awaited, I suppose, sequel, comedy sequel, opening number one, $36 million. Um, fun fact, the director of this film, his next film, uh, hmm. won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Dumb and Dumber 2. Yep. What a bizarre so. <laughs> series of things to be true. <laughs> open that to Dumb 36. Open to 36. That's pretty and was, good. In fact, just an appetizer for a best picture winner. It's yep. all really scary. <sighs> yeah. Uh, That's the thing. It, people were like very excited. And they were like, wait, this might be a return to form for Fairly, for Carrie. And then it opened big and everyone was like, now nah, we're good. And it didn't even Forget make a hundred, did it? No, I think it made like 85. It did fine. Yeah. No one was mad, you know, but right. Kind of whatever. Um, but the joke is that two is spelled T-O because they are dumb. Uh, uh, dumb. And dumber. And dumber. Yep. And they're Thank both. You. They have range. They have range. Uh, no, number two is an animated film. It's been out for two weeks. It's made $110 million. Big Hero 6? That's right, my friend. Nailed it. Well wow, done. The, the one that everyone on forgets. Zoom. I... Loved Big Hero Six when it came out. It's got the it's got it's Scott as it. He's a big old balloon. Big Bemo, not Bemo. Big balloon. Bay Max. There you go. Yeah. Bemo is uh, Adventure Time. Yes. Yes. Um. All right. Uh. Yeah. Big Hero Six. Don't really remember it that well. No. Big Brother. Yeah. And okay. Bemo. Um. Number three is the best movie of the decade. No, no. Do you know what it I is? I do. And you disagree with this yes. opinion? Most people do. 
It's Interstellar. It's Interstellar. That's right. Which is a Hell yeah. fine movie. Not to be to oh be fair, God. David. Disgusting. You ended you ended up ranking it as your number two. You had called it the I best did. movie of the decade for years, and then in a split second decision, you gave the edge to Social Network. Do I do like that Social Network? There's a lot of good movies. Out I there, guys. I think out of space movies, Interstellar is leagues ahead of Gravity. Yes, Agreed. undoubtedly. Because I will say, I'm a sociopath. I watch both on planes. Nice. <laughs> and Interstellar holds up on a plane, whereas Gravity does yes. not. Yes, it does. Definitely. I've watched Interstellar on a plane many times. One of my calm down yeah. movies. That's weird. All right, number five at the box office. Yeah. One of the, yeah, weird I'm a weird guy. guy. He's a, I'm telling uh, you. You're saying yeah, you're a random guy. You're a random and weird <laughs> as hell. I'll, t- I'll say that about you. <laughs> number five at the box office. One of the great movies of this year. Um... Ah, they just 2014 was like a good anymore. year. I was looking at my like my oh, ten from that year. year. Good great year. year. Mm. Um, they don't make you them know like based this on anymore. a what book. Genre? Gone Girl thriller. There you go. Gone Girl. I was good at this. I was really bad last time though. Olivia was faster than me. I felt. You're nailing it this. I'm time. really nervous. You're Thank nailing you. it, Gone Girl. Which what's, I you loved. know what's great. Gone Girl. Yeah, great movie. Great movie. I know. This is the thing. I was looking at my 10 and I was like, I think Gone Girl was 11. That speaks to a good year. Mm. Yeah, you should uh, rewatch Gone Girl. Get it up there. Maybe I should. But I was. it was a good 10. I had a good 10. It's a, it's a good 10. I know. It's a great year. And yet Birdman won Best Picture. Anyway, know, what uh, some other movies. movies. Some things Vincent. we don't have to talk about. You feel me? Yeah, no. St. Vincent, Fury... Nightcrawler's in there. Birdman Saint is in Vincent there. St. Vincent is is cantankerous Bill Murray takes after Melissa McCarthy's son. A very yep. deserved Best Supporting Actress nomination for Naomi Watts as a Russian uh, exotic dancer. Very deserved nomination. She didn't get that nomination. Nightcrawler, I'll say, I wanted more for Nightcrawler. Yep, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, good. I wanted more I for love Rene Russo. Rene Russo, Riz Ahmed. Jake Gyllenhaal, all three should have gotten acting nominations that year. Everyone was so good um, in that. So good. So what good. The hell, what the hell's a, a girl got to do to get some retroactive Oscars going? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I thought Renee was going to get the nomination huh. that year. It felt like she was on the track. I thought, I, I, and I thought the same. You know me, I'm freaking running this for your consideration campaign, working my <laughs> ass off in these streets. You... People don't know that that every single year you have self-financed a Renee Russo for her consideration mm. campaign just for whatever her biggest role was that I work year. Hard. I'm not going to act like yeah. I don't. And and so far uh, she's played uh, Frigga, Thor's mom three times and has gotten three non-nominations. True. Rude. And and you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars <sighs> trying to combat I'm that. in debt to anyway. people individually in a way that is Really, really worrisome, guys. Not good. And if anybody wants to loan me anywhere from fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars, I would really appreciate it. I really would, guys, for real. Uh, so, is that what you want to plug this week? Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, broke as hell, and uh, you know, Oscar's coming up. We gotta get started on Renee's. Uh, campaign. So if anybody right. wants to Gotta start wiretap yeah. me some money, I've been banned from Venmo yeah. wiretaps only. <laughs> my routing number is. <laughs> um, no, I'll plug my freaking podcast with my best friend Olivia Craig. It's a great 
Um, One of the best podcasts out there. Top tier. Yeah, please listen to it so I can keep hanging out with Olivia. I love her so much. And, you know, she's just, like, doing a lot of great things with her life. She's really in demand, so I need her to hang out with me, talk to her, get some call. <laughs> you guys listen, review, say you like our friendship. You know, say that you really think that we should still keep being friends. That would be really helpful for me and Olivia as well. Um, no, but, yeah, I plug, plug my stinking little podcast. Um, yeah. Iconography. Great podcast. Thank you. Yep. And you both... We're guests. We both were guests. Yes. We, we each came on to talk about our number one male crush, yes. respectively. Respectively. Yep. Uh, and it's great conversation. I don't even have to say, if you've listened to one episode of this podcast before, you can guess who I picked and who David picked. Yep. Okay. Everyone went quiet. Vin Diesel and Colin Farrell. Rene Russo and <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. I was letting people answer and then I was giving them the official ruling. I was leaving the space for people to answer. Um, we've had a great time. It's hot. Yes, it's, hot. it's time to call it. We gotta go. It's hot Bye. and hungry. <laughs> Just I, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having Bye, me, guys. Uh, I hope we did thanks okay. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, you, you did amazing. It, and the always. weed whacker never showed up again. That's true. The, yeah. Well, he respects the the audio art form. What can I say? We thought we were gonna have a problem with the weed whacker across the street making all sorts of noise, but the second he heard the word goo goo. He quieted he knew. It down. He, he knew. He paid respect. You have to. She you deserves to. it. We we have no choice but to stand. I made a wish. You made a wish. Wishing them yes. uh, strikes <laughs> again. <laughs> it's a new nickname, Wishful Ben. <laughs> well, all right, that's guys. a great place to end. Okay, yes. Um, Call it Griff. You and Griffin say I love you to each other. Love you, Griff. I tell him that all the time. I love you, David. Okay, and now both say it to Ben. Love you, Ben. I love you, Ben. Uh, I love you guys. And I love me. I'll say this, I you like I appreciate you pushing us. People should know full transparency. I end most interactions I have with Ben and David with "I love you." Yeah, and and yeah, what it, true. some very cute when I say "I love you" to Ben, he says "I love you, kid." Aww. <laughs> He says, I love you, kid. Damn, I love male love friendship. You, okay, the theme of today's episode is actually male friendship. And that's what I decided. And, and above all else, that's that should be your number one takeaway from Beyond the Lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about male uh, friendship. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Guda for and co-producing the show. Love. Rachel Jacobs for editing help. Do it with love. Show some love okay, on com slash reddit. Oh, well, I enjoyed uh, Joe you Bowen, Pat for our work, Lay Montgomery for our theme song. Show him some love. Tell him you love him. Uh, and tune in next week for The Old Guard, a movie which I've already spoiled, I think, honks. Uh, but that will conclude our little Gina Prince Blythewood uh, miniseries. Um, and as for now. always, for now, for now, yeah. For now, when she makes a new movie, we'll come back to her. Hell yes. And as always, I believe that black women oh, Christ. can magically make their oh, hair. Christ. Oh, Christ. Oh, boy. All right, cut it. Just end it want. wherever. I had, you just got to end had it. Had to triple you don't even down. Have to let that one finish. Had to triple oh, down. <laughs> had to triple down. Bye. Griffin. David. Io. Ben. You wish, Ben. (laughs) Just kidding. I do wish.
<laughs> I wish all the time. He wishes constantly. It's that's embarrassing. His best, that's his best personality trait. Stars, Fallons. <laughs> oh my Name God, it. wait a second. That's a new nickname. Ben. What, the wisher? The wishful Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's... No. But, <laughs> thank it's you. True. It's true. Wishful Ben. Um, okay, we're going to put this at the end of the episode as a bonus. So <laughs> people get the reveal later of the new nickname. 